1: That, I have no idea what I just did to this camera, but it knocked over and the base is messed up. And sorry, Eddie. You're doing great. If you would like to know the level of clout that Jimmy Cook has when it comes to the sports of Indiana, Jimmy Cook, who is probably landed by now, probably taking a nap over in London because he had kind of the opportunity trip of a lifetime, Uh, his wife got... Uh, for work, has a trip in London. So Jimmy took the week off, understandably so, because you don't get those opportunities very often. So he decided to go over to London and enjoy things just heading into the holiday. And if you'd like to know the level of impact he has, the level of clout he has within the sports landscape of Indianapolis – all of the teams here said, you know what, Jimmy Cook's taking the week off, so we're just going to go ahead and take the weekend off. That was like the biggest, most deflating. It's a, it's the best time of year. It's wonderful. It's the holidays. It's fun. But that was as just flat and as disappointing a weekend as you can get in the sports landscape. I guess the good news is, Brendan King, who is in here for Jimmy Cook this week, the good news, Brendan, is – the Fever have a chance. It's not a guarantee, but if they so choose, if Caitlin Clark decides to come out and leave her, come out into the draft and leave her last year of eligibility at the University of Iowa, then the Fever is where she is going to play. Of course, she has a year left, so she could stay in Iowa City, but one would assume that she does in fact Enter her name into the WNBA draft at the end of the season. a lot to, remains to be seen there. But the Fever won that lottery, right? And that was th- that. was it. There's your highlight of the weekend because Indiana basketball against Auburn brutal. Okay, uh, Purdue got a win, right? Got to win. So so Purdue. I mean so, but we expect Purdue to win. They're one of the best teams of college basketball. It right? was
2: weird seeing. You are next to Alabama. That hasn't happened much over the last years. Yeah, you're
1: right. That was a good game, though. I mean, that's that's a you know Alabama actually. To be fair to Alabama and to Purdue, that's a quality win for Purdue because of the fact that Alabama. You're right. So far the season maybe hasn't gone the way they want, but they played a really tough schedule. I mean, Alabama's played some tough games, and, and that's a solid team. So a good win for Purdue. So so kudos to the Boilers. Boiler up for carrying the mantle. Indiana basketball. Uh, what the hell happened? Right? I mean, literally, it was like Mike DeMone and Fast Times in the gym. I, I woke up in a great mood. I don't know what the hell happened. That was that was Indiana against Auburn. The Pacers game against the Lakers. We'll get into that and losing the in-season tournament championship, which doesn't go against the regular season record, but still was disappointing because that game to me, Saturday night watching the Pacers and the Lakers was like the preview of what you were about to watch on Sunday you didn't know it you didn't know it but as you're watching the Pacers taking on the Lakers it felt like the entire game the Pacers were chasing something that you knew just there was that there was that glass ceiling they couldn't get past that three to five point hump they just could not get past it every time they got close LA would go on a run, score, you know, rip off 6 or 8 unanswered and it's back up to 11. Then they whittle it away, they get it back down to 3 and you start getting excited. And then, you know, here they come and then boom. The same thing happened yesterday. The Colts go down to Cincinnati, they get down early, they have this unbelievable flurry where they basically scored, twi- you know, 14 points in 25 seconds. And you're like, "Here we go. They're right back in it." And there were a lot of things that went wrong a lot of things that went wrong they you got a guy in Jake Browning that you that you allowed to get in rhythm they couldn't run the ball at all when they did have a couple of positive plays there were costly penalties on them they were sloppy Shane Steichen talked about the fact self-inflicted wounds shooting themselves in the foot um Matt Gay misses two kicks and takes that element kind of away from you. Brendan, bottom line is that was just one of those performances that you want to basically burn the film, never look at it again, although you have to. But good news, bad news situation. The good news for the Colts is that basically yesterday, everybody in the league sucked. Yes. But the bad news for the Colts is that means that they missed that much opportunity to make up ground.
2: Yeah, I mean, eight and five sure looks a whole lot different than seven and six, doesn't it? Huh. I mean,
1: there's a traffic
2: jam at seven and six, right? There is. Well, just looking at the scores yesterday, and I had to pretty much catch highlights of everything that you said. I had to catch highlights of Pacers, I had to catch highlights of Colts, I had the Cubs' charities Christmas party uh, this weekend, which is cool in Chicago. But anyway, just catching highlights and looking at league wide yesterday. Yesterday was about as any given Sunday as you're going to get in the league. I mean, the scores. There was a three nothing game Jake i mean unbelievable and even more so the afc south is afc southing now tennessee has an opportunity to change that trajectory tonight they got the dolphins we'll see but still uh houston got embarrassed indianapolis played terribly and jacksonville they also lost to the brown joe flacco joe flacco beat the beat the jaguars unbelievable
1: uh by the way this from paul loyal listener Hey, guys, you might want to turn your mics on. It's a radio show. Uh, our mics are on. Just so people know, I, I think, Eddie, do we know if this situation
3: was taken care of? My camera was fixed. Yeah, there was a board problem over here that I had to fix, so um, that part was on me. I think your camera
2: falling just kind of set off a domino effect in the studio.
1: Well, I want to thank our engineers, actually, so that just, just so people know, and maybe we should have mentioned this, but um, you know when you go into stores and you see signs sometimes that say, like, you know... Please excuse our mess, we're remodeling. Um, We have at this radio station, we have the fortune of, and I mean that in a good way, we are merging essentially with the already existing radio station that, that purchased us a year ago, but we are just now in the process of all of our sister stations, brother stations, whichever way you want to say it, all conglomerating into one building. So our engineers who are unbelievable, I mean, literally unbelievable if if they'd known the skipper and Gilligan it literally would have been a three- hour tour um they are in the process of conglomerating numerous radio stations into a facility that once held just four of them so there are some kinks so we apologize for that but we'll work through them uh and it looks and that might have been my fault that what just happened there because at the beginning of the show I knocked over the camera there and then all hell broke loose because there's wires <laughs> everywhere so my apologies <laughs> but you look for example, The AFC actually representative right now of kind of what this building looks like and the fact that we have all of these radio stations that are combined into one space and we're figuring out who goes into what space, right? The AFC right now, Brendan, looks exactly like that because you have Jacksonville. And I know, you know, the Jags right now are reeling a little bit. Like nobody's talking about the fact that Jacksonville, who seemingly had a firm hold on the division... It's starting to backpedal a little bit. Problem is, if you are somebody that doesn't want Jacksonville to win the division, the two teams that are right behind there, Houston and Indianapolis, Houston yesterday misses an opportunity, they lose, and their quarterback, C.J. Stroud now, health question mark, and Indianapolis has already lost twice, the Colts have two Jacksonville, so tiebreaker immediately, head-to-head tiebreaker, advantage Jags, Right. The first tiebreaker, of course, is the conference record. And then the second would be – well, the first is head-to-head. Second would be conference record, and then third is is record within the division, I believe, is the way it works. But if you're talking about for the wild card. Cleveland is the other one that's interesting because the Browns at 8-5. and five, And, Brendan, we kind of assumed that Cleveland was going to be the one – when Deshaun Watson went down, you were like, "Okay, well, right off the Bengals, right? They got no quarterback. They went out. They, I don't know if you know this, they went on Craigslist, and Joe <laughs> Flacco was on Craigslist, and they found him, and they brought him in, and dusted him off, and he actually has played pretty well. And so, oh, he was exceptional yesterday. And, and all they need, and what's interesting is, all Cleveland needs is competency, right, at quarterback, because they have a great defense. And here's Cleveland at eight and five, so." Uh, Colts still sitting right there right now in the seventh position in the AFC. You got the battle with Houston. That game with Houston continues to look bigger and bigger and bigger heading down the stretch.
2: Oh, that's going to be an awesome one. But, I mean, we'll see how C.J. Stroud is. I mean, after he went down yesterday, and I think he was okay. But still, we'll see what happens with his health. I mean, who would have thought, though, that I I would love to know the combined amount of times that Zach Wilson slash Joe Flacco were benched or have been benched with the Jets and yesterday it was the tandem formerly of the New York Jets Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco that beat two of AFC South teams and again the Dolphins play the Titans tonight Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco keep the Colts in the AFC South even with the loss to the Bengals I don't know if I could write that one you know how about Zach Wilson written he off right Great. written off I, I kind of had an inkling to bet like a Zach Wilson one-man parlay because sports are stupid like that where guy comes off the bench, third stringer to start again. I just had an inkling that he might look okay. I didn't expect him to look great. But yeah, I mean, it, New York is a crazy market. I mean, Robert Sala in the last month has been at the podium saying Zach Wilson is going to be the number 3 quarterback. He has benched him multiple times, and now yesterday he talked about how great he looked And a blowout of Houston,
1: who has been one of the surprises of the league this year. So yesterday for the Colts, let's break down what went wrong. Yeah. Or rather, maybe you list the things that went right, which were not a lot, right? It was one of those games where, first off, you were going against a defense in Cincinnati that was not an overly stout defense. And... You know, Minshew is a guy that I think we know. You know what his, his floor is probably, but you know what his ceiling is as well. And I thought yesterday just couldn't really get uncorked. The one guy for the Colts that continues to play well, and, and I will give this guy a ton of credit because there's been a lot of discussion about him. There's been a lot of talk and... Deciphering and scrutiny and analysis of is Michael Pittman Jr. really a number one receiver? Is that your primary guy? Can he be the number one? Maybe he's a number two. They need to go out and they get a Jamar Chase. They need to go out and get a Stephon Diggs. They need a game changing wide receiver to take the heat off Michael Pittman, and he's just a possession receiver. Well, you know what? He continues to be the most consistent and reliable player offensively, probably for them. Um, throughout the course of, of the season, really. Eight yesterday for 95. Solid effort for Pittman. But the problem is, and Will Mallory yesterday, as we talk about all the time, the tight end position, and you had some drops. Ogletree had a drop yesterday. You know, Granson had two catches. But we keep talking about what tight end is going to emerge. Will Mallory gets his shot, played well yesterday. Josh Downs has has kind of been corralled a little bit. These things are all, and as we have seen, can be overcome a little bit, Brendan, if you are able to open things up with the running game or even use things out of your backfield to just massage and, and give yourself breathing room. And Zach Moss yesterday, and I don't know if that's as much line as Moss but Zach Moss, the running game was was totally non-existent, and that's not. It's not like you're going up against the 85 Bears. I'll give credit to. I do think that Steichen more often than not makes the right call, calls the right plays. You know, they were able to take advantage when Cincinnati had. Um, they had a drive where Cincinnati extended it. They were they were three and out, and the and the Bengals had a had a penalty that extended the drive, and the Colts took advantage of that. And you really felt like going into the half that the Colts were in decent shape. But Cincinnati just seemingly, especially offensively, I mean, you have a game where T. Higgins is, is dropping passes and and still they're able to do what they want offensively. It just felt, and I know that this is very simplistic and elementary to say it this way, But it just was one of those games, Brendan, where you just felt like you were waiting for it to take off.
2: Yeah. And it never did. And it never did. Well, to me, you mentioned T. Higgins dropping passes. No wide receiver for the Bengals, which is, in a lot of cases, how they make their money. Now, Joe Mixon had a pretty good day. No wide receiver slash tight end for Cincinnati had more than four targets. And they won the game by 20.
1: Well, part of it, too, you know, Chase Brown. Yeah. I mean, when you get guys that come in and, you know, fairly sparingly get their number called, and they hit a home run like that, and that was that was a huge momentum play for them, right? I mean, all of a sudden, Chase Brown comes in and is offering. Because Joe Mixon, Brendan, to be honest with you, Cincinnati's running game has not been stellar this year. It hasn't. And, and even yesterday, it wasn't like they, they were, you know, there were plenty of times where you could see the Grover-Stewart effect. There were plenty of times where the Colts were able to kind of stifle that run game. But when they needed it, they were able to make big plays, home run plays. And then that opens everything else up, right? So w- when you have the Chase Brown play, okay, and that is obviously, you know, a pass play, but still a play out of the backfield. Like... When you're able to get a big swing, even if it's only effective one out of every eight times they touch the ball, if you're getting big swing plays out of guys other than Higgins and Chase, then what that does is now all of a sudden you've got to be aware of where everybody is, which is what happened to the Colts a little bit. And then those those guys start getting behind the defense and making some plays, and you're on your heels. And that's what happened yesterday. I, I thought Grover Stewart— you could see that he was there, and they were able to at times shut down that interior line. But again, they were not able to do the things that when they have played well this year, what have they been able to do? They've had games where they can get where they get to the passer, where they they themselves control the line. I thought the offensive line was poor yesterday too. I mean, just from a, they were sloppy again. Shane Steichen, self-inflicted wounds, right?
2: Yeah, and Kevin just tweeted no update on Braden Smith at right tackle. So, I mean, Braden Smith has missed a bunch of games this year. I'd love to take a look at the advanced stats of the Colts run game when Smith has not played on that right side. But, Chick, I think a point that you just made was excellent in that when you start giving up large plays to guys that don't usually make those types of plays, it's the same thing as any other sport where if a pitcher gives up a home run to the nine-hitter, oh, you still got two, three, and four coming up in this inning. Right, right. In basketball, if you allow the second unit to go on an 8 run, it's like, oh, gee, Halliburton's still coming back in. Like, he's about to check back in. I mean, same thing. It's the same thing in every single sport, and the Colts were victims of that yesterday.
1: Uh, did you do anything fun over the weekend? I know you said you were in Chicago, right? Yeah, I had the Cubs Charities
2: uh, holiday Christmas party, which was fun in the city. Got to take in a little Wrigley Field holiday extravaganza. It was nice.
1: So what do they do? They put, like, uh, Christmas tree lights up
2: around, yeah, so, the, around the
1: stadium? Yeah, so on the field, this is open to the public. Do they put lights in the ivy?
2: I don't think you can do that.
1: They should. Yeah, well. Why can't
2: you? I think it actually yeah. has to do with the National Landmark type thing. Really?
1: Yeah. They legally can't put Christmas lights in the ivy? I don't think so. What the hell kind of organization are they running up there? Well, we got a World Series.
2: A- anyway, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's open to the public.
1: <laughs> it's open to the what, public. What position and- were you uh, college senior. Fair enough. They would add more of them over the last century if they'd put lights in the ivy at Christmas time. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> it wouldn't be once every every 110 years, right? Hey, that's cool. Pass that along. Let the I let management know, right? I, I'll call Tom Ricketts tomorrow. Uh, okay, so you did that. Now, the Cubs charities, so obviously this is a fundraiser, I would assume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was at where in Chicago, did you say? So, stay with me here. Started at
2: Wrigley Field. went to go see the lights? And again, it's open to the public. It's like if you go to Newfields here and you go right, see right, it at right. Christmas. Imagine that at Wrigley Field. Okay, same exact thing. It's
1: pretty cool. Which is cool because I went to a concert at Wrigley, and it is cool. Anytime you go somewhere there, because of the history of the building, right? Exactly, it's pretty cool. Exactly, yeah. but there is a
2: kind of subcommittee of Cubs charities. It's called Club Four Hundred. Now, Club Four Hundred is a section of Wrigley Field, which is you know some nice seats, kind of season ticket holder area, and this guy who works with Cubs charities, bought a house just down the street from downtown and has made it a shrine of Cubs baseball. Imagine a man cave, but it's an entire house. And they raise money. They've done over a million dollars in 10 years. And the party went from Wrigley to this man cave house, uh, which is all Cubs stuff. Met some former players and I had a good time. It was awesome.
3: Eddie, what'd you do? I went to the Colts-Bengals game yesterday.
2: Hey, and you they're... went with who? Uh,
3: I went with
1: Olivia.
2: Is it that Mrs. is uh, a Bengals fan? She is. So she was happy on the ride home?
1: Yes, she was. Did Mm. you stay for the entirety of the game, or did you leave early to beat traffic? Left
3: early, but it wasn't as early as you would think. We left right before the two-minute warning, right after the Colts had turned it over
1: on So I was driving back from Milwaukee and listened to the entire game on the drive back, and Shannon said to me, she goes, if you went to this game, would you stay for the entirety or would you leave early? Because it was pretty clear. You know, I thought, to be honest with you, when... I'm trying to think of when it was when you thought okay that that pretty much was the final nail. I want to say like about 8 minutes, 7 or 8 minutes to go um right it after over on downs, right? Cur- it was the interception. That's what it was. That's yeah, what it was. It
3: was the interception because Zach Moss has the touchdown that's nullified by the offensive holding. Then two plays later Gardner Minshew doing what Gardner Minshew does. Panics in the pocket, doesn't escape out when there was an avenue to escape that time on uh, through a pick because he was and, just and trying to force it. And that's the
1: frustrating thing is Minshew you know, there's a lot to like about Gardner Minshew from a backup quarterback role, but the, the thing that I think has probably been the bugaboo on him is, and again, we go back to when Matt Ryan was doing color commentary on television. When Matt Ryan is talking about your the importance of you learning to protect the football for the Indianapolis Colts about you, that's an issue, right? <laughs> um, and that's the thing about him is his inability to hold to the football and protect the football is, in fact— The most frustrating thing about him, right?
3: I was shocked on that very first play of the game where he got sacked that Trey Hendrickson did not force a fumble just because he was coming from behind and I didn't know if Minchie would be able to hold on to the football or not. Here
1: was the other storyline yesterday, and I know that he is a player who has played well and more often than not, he's the guy that you want out there at this position because he continues to grow into it and be a nice player for them. But Bernard Ryman had a really rough day yesterday. Yep. And Hendrickson absolutely – he was probably the player – Hendrickson, I think, had as much impact on that game yesterday as anybody that was on the field. And their inability at any point to make adjustments to be able to corral – and and again, this is not a defense that came in overly stout. But Hendrickson yesterday, you know, I was listening to – because I was listening to it in the car – the only the only game that we could get the only variation of it was the Bengals play by play side of it, and they were talking about DeForest Buckner as one of the three or four best defensive linemen in the league, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. But he was not the best one in the game yesterday. No. Hendrickson was a key 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 player yesterday, and they never could corral it. They never could control it. And Ryman from the get go just couldn't get, you know just couldn't get. In rhythm against him, and 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 I think a lot of times that happens with offensive linemen. I think Brendan offensive line is, and you see this sometimes, like in baseball, to put it in those terms. Mm-hmm. In baseball, you know, you have like you get the yips, right, where a guy all of a sudden will go through a streak where, whether it's a pitcher that just suddenly loses his his control, or an infielder that that goes through a mental lapse where. They have errors or they suddenly can't throw to first. You know, I, I do think that there are games, not seasons or periods, but there are games from an offensive line standpoint, like in golf, where it just gets in your head. And now all of a sudden, like you are, you're, you're, you're jumpy at the snap and your timing and your rhythm and what you do. Anthony Costanzo used to talk all the time about when you're playing the offensive line position, so much of it is just simple geometry of understanding the physics and the geometry the combination of the two of the angle of where your body needs to be and the timing to make sure that your body's in that exact angle to intercept or block literally where the defender is wanting to go and giving yourself the most low base leverage so that you're not getting pushed around and if for a split second your timing gets off on that then all of a sudden your geometry is now not in your favor and you're a turnstile. You're literally a turnstile. It's like the camera right here, right? You (laughs) knock it, literally, the the weight is balanced in one specific area. You touch it the wrong way and it falls over instantly. And I think yesterday what you saw with Ryman was it became psychological where the timing was such that he he just wasn't in right position. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, that entire side of the line just kind of collapses under it. You saw Quentin Nelson also – get some costly penalties probably because he knows he's having to make up for the lack of timing going on around him the line had no cohesiveness yesterday at all i had not eddie
3: with the breaking news mike tomlin just said kenny pickett will be out saturday's game against the colts mitchell trubisky will receive the start again for the steelers you know
1: you know what uh, that means for kenny pickett right he's gonna be sitting on his little hands He's got little tiny hands. I'm telling you, like, you could take me into the NFL and in year two have me shelved during the most critical time of the season, because, and that would be frustrating, but not near as frustrating as having all the talking points on ESPN and NFL Network for two days be about how you have, you have like the smallest hands at the Th- combine.
2: That was actually the number one story on ESPN.com, if that's possible, at some point in his life. About his little
1: hands? Yeah. Oh, I know. That's what I mean. I don't want anybody knowing that, right? Like, he's got little kid gloves, right? Yeah. <laughs> Little, little mittens. Like I, I wouldn't want anybody... The, like the, the texting gloves were... The, exactly. the, the fingertip exactly. is, is he wears, the only He wears out. the small version of that. Yeah. I, I thought... And, you know, Trubisky, so far you're seeing why Trubisky's a backup, right? Absolutely. And Pickett has his moments, but at the same time, it's not like Kenny Pickett... You know, that's another guy that's still... I do think that he has some skill. I like his bravada, for sure. I think he was, especially at Pitt, he was a really good player in terms of... He, he, he played, he rose to moments, and he's got a little nastiness to him, which I like. But, you know, is that a huge loss for Pittsburgh down the stretch? From a familiarity standpoint, maybe. But, you know, Trubisky certainly has plenty of starts under his belt. Not necessarily great ones, but he does. Uh, Don Fisher, by the way, was on the call for Indiana and Auburn. Hoosiers with a big week ahead. We'll talk about that and more. We'll do that next. Mike Chappell joins us, 1 o'clock. Dustin Dopierak to talk about the Pacers and the Lake Show. That's going to be at 2 on this Monday edition. Aquarium Company, 935 The Fan.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, And experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: We were talking about good news, bad news when it comes to the Colts yesterday. In terms of the bad news was they lost the game. Good news is other teams that needed to win also lost the game. Bad news for the Colts, they didn't take advantage of those losses. Good news, they didn't lose a lot of ground, et cetera, et cetera. For Indiana basketball, good news, bad news. The bad news being that they did not look good against Auburn. The good news is that they got a week to kind of repair from that. Bad news is up next. Number two, Kansas at Assembly Hall, which actually, and Don Fisher joins us now, the voice of the Hoosiers, to talk about Indiana basketball. Don, before we reflect on what I know was not a pretty game against Auburn, the upshot is I love the fact that Indiana and Kansas are doing that series and that you've got a game with the Jayhawks coming into Assembly Hall because it'll just be a great atmosphere if nothing else. And I think that... It's a great learning opportunity, obviously, for Indiana to see how they bounce back. But let's begin simply with the fact that it's pretty darn cool for IU and Kansas to be playing in December.
0: Well, it always is. Um, it's it, it's it's the same scenario if Indiana was playing Kentucky, and they should be, but they're not. Um, but it's, it is a great thing that these two programs are, are playing each other. Obviously, Kansas is one of the premier programs in the country and has been for many, many years now is yeah, trying to get back to that point where they were traditionally one of the best in the country through all the Bob Knight years. And since then, it's been kind of up and down in that regard. So uh, without question, it's a great opportunity for this IU basketball team.
1: Don, Saturday with Auburn, I guess I'll ask this in simplistic fashion, was that game more about what Auburn did or more about what Indiana could not do?
0: Well, in my opinion, it was more about what Indiana could not do because they didn't they didn't take the punch and get up and and do something with it. You know, they just didn't get back up off the floor after they got knocked down. Uh, they they started out like a, a rocket, uh, knocked down four threes, which we haven't seen that very often this year from this ball club, uh, and got out to a twelve point lead. Uh, you know, early in the first half, and then. Uh, the roof caved in because Indiana I, I, and I don't I can't tell you the reason why all I can tell you is that Auburn turned up the temperature on this ball game from an energy standpoint and Indiana didn't match it and from that point forward Indiana never did match their intensity level uh, with the exception of maybe the first few minutes of the second half when Malik Renou took you know when scored I think eight straight points and and kind of got Indiana back within the realm of ten points or so, but from that point forward again the push by Auburn was tremendous, and Indiana didn't respond
1: you know the the easy answer here Don I realize is going to be outside three point shooting and that might be a theme all year long to be honest with you you know especially with Xavier Johnson out right now but for Indiana it's interesting because you look at that and I could see why people would look at this and say oh man they got boat raced by Auburn you know well, they're still seven and two. They're two and zero oh in yep. the league. They've got a week off now. If we're going to take outside shooting off of the board here, in terms of possible answers that you can write down in Final Jeopardy, what is the what, What's the thing that's missing, if anything? I mean, do is this game? Does that show you something that could be problematic? That is a major area of concern, and one thing that jumps out, or do you simply kind of write it off as you know what? It wasn't their day. And in totality, they're not in terrible shape.
0: I, I think that you're correct in the latter stage here. In the latter thing you said there is that the, I don't think this is a ball game you can just say, and well, that's the end of the season for Indiana. I think there's just too much, too many games to be played. This is We're not even a third of the way through the schedule at this point. And Indiana's played the roughest part of their schedule here in the last couple of weeks, uh, along with the Kansas ball game upcoming. Uh, that said, Indiana didn't do a very good job against Auburn in responding and holding their energy level at a, at the same rate that Auburn put out on the floor. It was, it was a poor performance. I can't say anything else, and I don't think Mike Woodson would try to say anything else, but it was really a bad performance by his ball club. But at the same time, there is still a long process to be had here before we get into Big Ten play. Lots of practice time available with Uh, You know, classes being over with after this week because of semester exams and then uh, three ball games, I think, leading up to the start of Big Ten play once again. So uh, it's too early to, to start putting stamps on this team and where they're at and those kinds of things. They still have a long way to go, but I still think they've got the talent to get there.
2: Hey, Don, it's Brendan. I know three-point shooting is not necessarily his avenue, but Anthony Walker is pretty good in limited minutes, 13 minutes, nine points, five rebounds, two blocks. So if any, how can his role continue to expand?
0: Well, that's up to the coach. Uh, Obviously, I think, uh, like you, I think he's played really well off the bench for this basketball team at this point. Uh, Everything I've seen about this guy is that he's a really good athlete, number one, he knows how to play, number two. He's a veteran, so he's been there, done that, played a lot of the big teams in the SEC and, and the ACC and those kinds of programs when he was at Miami. So I look at, this, I look at this guy as a guy that can really help this ball club continue, and I think his role off the bench is, is expanding at this point, and it may turn into a starting role at some point as well, although Mike is uh, reticent to do that with his starting lineups. He always keeps that starting lineup about the same, almost like he did last year the entire season. And he, I, I don't think he likes to change the starting roles for guys for whatever reason. I'm, that's, I'm just pointing out what how he's been up to this point. But I think Anthony Walker is one of those guys that can really help your ball club in so many different ways. He's not the greatest outside shooter in the world, but he's not afraid to take one if it's there, and he can make it every now and then. And he's really good inside. And his defensive play, I think, has been solid. His rebounding has been solid. So uh, right now he's helping this ball club.
1: Don, when you look at the options in building a schedule, you can go on the road, you can take on, you know, another power five conference team like like Auburn, and all hell breaks loose and the roof caves in on you. But you're still seven and two. Or you could book that game against, you know, a lower tier team, win by thirty, and get your bench some minutes. There there are still things that can be learned from the first if you were to lose, as they did to Auburn. But the question is, does this team have the emotional maturity and strength to take the learning examples from it and not get scarred by it to the point where the confidence is rattled against a Kansas and then heading in further into conference play? Is this team mature enough to be able to learn from and not be scarred by that kind of loss?
0: Well, I think they can be that. Jake, it's just it's a hypothetical, and I can't answer the question. There's no way to, to dictate that one way or the other. I do think that they've got maturity on this team in the sense of Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway, and, and Renew is a sophomore, of course, and he looks like he's really improved this year. Uh, and you've got the smart kid like Gabe Cups who's played, I think, really, really well throughout this early part of the season, Walker's played well off the bench. So they, they've got, and they've got Peyton Sparks, who's been around the block uh, for a couple of years at ball state prior to this as well. Uh, it, it, we're going to have to find out. This team has not progressed uh, at this point to give us the personality that it actually has, because I think they're still in a learning process. And that's part of the, the deal right now. Can they learn from this loss? Uh, absolutely. And they better learn from it or they're going to be in trouble. But to to predict at this juncture where they're going to be at here in another couple of weeks, it's just hard to say. And hopefully uh, this game against Kansas will get everybody revved up and, and show the kind of energy level that you need when you play a top five or, or even a top 25 team. And I think Auburn certainly deserves to be in that uh, category simply because of how they played against Indiana.
1: Don, I want to go back to a year ago. Don Fisher, the voice of the Hoosiers, is our guest. Indiana up next this Saturday, so almost a week off now before Kansas comes calling. Um, You know, a year ago, we all knew, everybody in the country knew that the straw mixing the drink for Indiana more often than not was Trace Jackson Davis and what he was able to do. And yet his robin on the block, if you will, was Race Thompson, who always seemingly was in the right spot to help him, and then, if need be, could elevate his game and be the guy in spurts as well. Malik Renu watched all of that, and it seems to me that in his sophomore year, a guy that came in as a, as a very profiled five-star level recruit in Malik Renu has really adapted well to understanding that now perhaps on the low block it is Khalil Ware that is the main focus, but Renew has been the most consistent. How much of watching what I just talked about from last year do you think has benefited his game this season?
0: Well, I think a lot. I mean, Malik obviously went up against Trace a ton in practice last year, and he went up against Race as well. So he, he's been battling these big guys for a, a, a plus a year plus now at this juncture, and I think he understands his role better this year. The other thing, that Malik, Malik had some maturing to do, and, and he had to learn how to take coaching. And I think that process took place last year and was part of the reason he plateaued you know uh, at past the first seven or eight ball games of the season and didn't play very well up until the last seven or eight ball games of the regular season throughout the uh, and then the tournament so i just think he learned a lot from last season i think malik is a guy who figures it out and thus far i think he's done that and he's still got a lot of work to do i don't think he handles double teams uh, very well at this point uh, sometimes he does sometimes he doesn't and he hasn't been a double teamed a ton in his career either. So he's just figuring some of these things out. He's still a young player, but he is the most, in my mind, the most improved player on this ball club from a year ago.
1: Don, Don would you even know what to do for a week here with with like nothing going on? I mean, you're you're, you're like you're getting done here. You're on the you're in the midst of like a Cal Ripken streak here.
0: <laughs> well, certainly, without question. Uh, It's nice to have a week where we don't really have all that much to do, despite the fact we do have a talk show tonight (laughs) uh, with Coach Woodson. But other than that, no games this week. And really, we've got a pretty easy schedule through December now because we've only got three more games after this Kansas ball game in the month of December. So we've got a little time to spend and get back a little more relaxed than what we have been over the month of November.
1: (laughs) When you're around Mike Woodson and doing the coaches show, Don, do you see... You know, to give people kind of a glimpse behind the curtain, I guess, does does the mood or the lightness in any way vary from win to loss, or is he a pretty even-keel approach guy from one game to the next?
0: Well, I think he is pretty even-keeled, and, and that's kind of how he comes off as a person. Uh, I think he gets a little animated more so in games, but you just don't see it away from the floor. Um, he's a pretty even-keeled guy. He's pretty soft-spoken most of the time. I don't think he takes umbrage at all the things that are said by the media and things like that. I think he handles that stuff really well. Um, But Mike's a very confident coach. He believes in what he does, what what he's capable of doing from a coaching perspective. He's had a ton of experience, of course, throughout the NBA years that he spent in that league both as a head coach, as an assistant, So, you know, and he's he's at a point in his life now where I think he thinks college basketball is just fun. I think he's having a, a ball doing this, and I think he's enjoying it immensely.
1: Again, Inside IU Basketball with Mike Woodson will air tonight after the Pacers game, Pacers in Detroit, and then immediately following that here on the fan, you will hear Don's conversation with Mike Woodson and then the Hoosiers in Kansas coming up on the 16th at 1230. You can hear that over on our sister station, WIBC. Don, appreciate the time as always, and good luck with all the Christmas shopping that you have to catch up on this week.
0: (laughs) Susan, he takes care of that for the most, I have to worry about it. I give money. (laughs) Right, so that's easy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, you you, you you made
1: the money the last couple of weeks with everything going on, and now you just shell it all out, Don. We appreciate it.
0: Exactly. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks,
1: all right, Don. That's Don Fisher, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. Um,
2: that's that's what he just said is basically the intro of the Jetsons in one sentence. George Jetson.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Meet George Jetson, right? Yeah. Um, do you know that when the Jetsons was, was around – Brendan, when, when I was – and I have no idea. I know that somebody would be able to answer this specifically. But when I was a kid, like, we, li- I remember my sister saying, like, that's gonna, that's what it's going to be like in the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, we, we really thought, like, the Jetsons, like – and, and the Jetsons – didn't somebody figure out George Jetsons' birthday was recently? Yes. Yeah. You want because me to look it up? isn't the Jetsons supposed to take place in, like, 2040 or something like that and – how old is George, et cetera? But George was born in 2022. Okay, so he's a year he's old. He's two years old. Well, about to be two. Yeah, that's cool. So how old is he in the Jetsons? What's he supposed to be, like 35? Does it say what year the show is supposedly taking place? Because if so, we, like we here's the thing. I'd like to know this. Yeah. If the Jetsons, find out what year the Jetsons took place. Le- the show. You're, the show. Y- yeah. The show is fictionally taking place in what? So if he was born in 2022, he's like 35 in the show, right? So it's like 2057. He's is, he is 40 in the show. Okay, so it's, so it's 2062. 2062. Yeah. Okay, so here's the question. That's 39 years from now. So if 39 years from now we're going to have the flying cars... Brrr, and all that, and then like the little moving trams that go around, and the space, or the time travel. We're going to have our own the too. Correct. We're all going to have. Well, we're close to having our own robots, right? Yeah. And, Ro- and all of that. So, if all of that's taking place, we've got thirty-nine years to get it done. Pretty, pretty feasible. What I'd like to know is when we have all of that will the repairs of Monument Circle be done? <laughs> that's what I'd like to know. What do you think? Like, we need the flying cars we, because we, you can't drive on Monument we, Circle because the, the steps are still laying in the middle of the uh, of the street, right? We have to go into the newsroom for a check now. I know. We're in a newer studio here where we can't look out over the uh, progress of whether or not they've moved the nine blocks of stone that are supposed to be the steps on the north end of the monument that have been there for, what, like two years now? Every once in a while a guy comes out and has a smoke break and then leaves and goes home? Uh, More to talk about, including the Pacers. But Mike Chappell going to join us. Top of the hour. We'll take a look back at what went wrong yesterday for the Colts here on The Fan.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: Jimmy Cook in London, Brennan King in with me for the week, right? Brennan, you're always yes, week? sir, Monday through Friday. So we've been playing some some BGs now. Eddie, do you play the old hits because you know I'm old? Is that what you're doing here?
3: No, I like to mix it up every now and then. I like that. Got to keep you on your toes. You know. I have to introduce you to what's new and keep you in touch of what you were listening to back in high school.
1: Now, that, Well, now, are you implying that I was listening to the Bee Gees in high school? How, how old do you think I am?
3: I, I don't know. I was just
2: saying not
3: you the want Bee Gees to know something specifically.
1: Funny. Let me tell you a little funny story about music when I was in high school. We only have uh, five minutes here, Jake. I know. The number one, I looked this up. The day that I started high school, this is the kind of weird neuroticism you get from me. I went to the Billboard music chart whatever history. My first day of class in high school, the number one song in the country was... I want your sex by George Michael's. Yes, by George Michael. I should say
3: that was your kind of music, right? In high school, was a lot of love making
1: <laughs> well, music. Not necessarily. Che- you know, check I, I gotta, behind the bleachers at North Central. I got I to gotta tell you something. North Central back then, not necessarily, but um, some, some the number he and one Sheen, as J V would say it. What's that? He and, and Sheen, and as J&V would call it. L- Again, North Central was a lot of talking. Um, the number one song on the last day of my high school career was I Want to Sex You Up by Color Me Back. <laughs> the middle four years, a lot of nothing, right? Ice Ice Baby was big my senior year. That came out my senior year, um, which was the first rap song to hit number one on the Billboard chart, by the way. Mm. Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla and Ice. And then later we found out that um, he actually was not like some hard, tough dude from the streets of Miami, but was like some rich kid from, kind of like Kid Rock. Kid Rock's like a, a totally billionaire kid from Detroit, right? Not necessarily from 8 Mile, for what it's worth. Uh, Mike Chappell going to join us just a couple minutes. You know, the uh, I was in Milwaukee, watched the Pacers-Lakers game. It was super fun on Saturday, just because it really did feel like the old days of the playoffs when like the whole city's like man are you watching the game what time's the game start what time's the pacer game come on let's go pacers um and we'll get more into it in the show but but Brennan, it just felt like a game where they were just chasing it the whole time yeah. right
2: uh, well absolutely and i think you made a good point to start the show the inevitable just continued to roll along uh, you're facing lebron james yeah. in an elimination game and he did what he did but still i think the experience And this is what I talked about last year. If the Pacers made the playoffs last year, even if they would have gotten swept, I think that would have been an excellent experience just to get that type of feel. Now, they finally have it because I think that's equivalent enough of a playoff game. Now, it's not going to be any in comparison to a Game 7 or how it would feel if you're on the road in a tough environment. But still, you're in a... Pack crowd, Vegas, TNT, everybody's there. Celebs, you know, you travel. They showed the walk-ins of the guys' outfits. I mean, it felt playoff. It did, and,
1: and it was the only game, right? It was the it only. It was sh- the only
2: game. And listen, Jake, I'm not from here, but any city that has been starving for a winner like Indianapolis has, that's a nice morale boost for the fan base because that's only going to benefit the rest of the year, right? When there's going to be more people at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And on the push for the playoffs, they'd be like, "Hey, you know, we had we had this back in December."
1: Coming up uh, a little bit later in the show, I'll tell you specifically where I think it most bolstered the Pacers in terms of that. I, I think there was something that happened Saturday night, which was worth its weight in Fort Knox, and you can't buy it. And it happened for Indiana, a very specific thing for the franchise, which was huge that took place now the 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 game itself in the moment and all of that it, it is weird when you go back and you look at it and you're like wait a minute it doesn't count for the regular season Yeah, that's weird but let me tell you one thing that happened after the game too having nothing to do with the pacers themselves well first does doc rivers late in the game when they were talking about the fact that it was a championship game and and that they would be awarding an MVP for the for the tournament, and Doc Rivers is like, "Now wait a minute, is the MVP for this game or for the totality of the in season tournament?" And they're like, "No, for the entire tournament." And he goes, "Oh, well then, there's no question who it is—a guy that's won just about everything." And right there is when I said to myself, "Okay, that's proof positive that they haven't watched a lot of what Tyrese Halliburton did during that during those games," because yes. Tyrese Halliburton might have struggled, maybe not him, but they might have struggled getting him going um, in that game. And it was it was a good move by Carlisle to put McConnell in to get Tyrese off the ball a little bit and try to get him going in terms of his shot. But Halliburton carried Indiana into that championship, flat out. Yeah. I mean, the the shots that he hit, the game, the games that he had, uh, you know. I'm not saying LeBron's not a great player I think he is a a phenomenal player and and I didn't watch the Lakers all of their in-season tournament games so I can't see what, to what level he might have elevated his game but I can't imagine that it was that abundantly clear versus what Tyrese Halliburton did up until Saturday night but one thing that did took place after the game That I thought was really cool. And I think that, that, and I get it. I mean, LeBron James, people can say all they want. I don't like LeBron because he flops. He's a whiner, whatever else. You don't like him because he's the greatest player of his era. I don't like him because of his politics. You don't like him because he's the greatest player of his era. If he played for your team, it's all about the shirt he's wearing. Reggie Miller flopped and and argued with officials as much. Paul George argued with officials when he was a pacer more than anybody in the league. And nobody here had a problem with it. But with LeBron James, he's a whiner, or whatever else. Okay, fine. What I thought was cool was it when they were awarding the championship medals to each player for the Lakers, they had children from the Boys and Girls Club yeah, that was cool. of Las Vegas standing in front of them to turn around. They said, okay, now turn around and present your medal. And each kid turned around and had a player that they put the medal on. LeBron James was the only Los Angeles Laker, as he was standing there with his arms behind his back, that I saw at least, who had the presence of mind. Maybe people say, well, he's arrogant then, but he had a Sharpie in his hand. And the kid, every other player, the kid put the the medal around him and the players, they didn't dismiss the kid. You know they maybe gave him a, a dap or something, but then they turned around to their teammates to celebrate the moment. LeBron James took the medal from the kid and then immediately took the sharpie out and and violent. The kid didn't ask. LeBron then cold, pulled the kid up, signed his shirt, and signed the shirt of the kid next to him as well, and acknowledged and recognized those two little kids for a second, which to me is again, and, and I've watched up close LeBron in terms of warmups the way that he treats kids in the crowd. Yeah. And he's always been, to me, nothing but a class act in that regard. And the way that you treat those that are seemingly by society, those that probably in that moment can help you the least, is very cool. And I thought in that moment, uh, LeBron James showed why he is more than just a champion in basketball. Mike Chappell going to join us next to talk about what happened yesterday in Cincy.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Yesterday in Cincinnati, boy, the Bengals were born to run, that's for sure, and the Colts couldn't run the ball. Although, I'll tell you what, it's not like Cincinnati had a great running game, but they were able to get their playmakers in space. Colts just were not. Mike Chappell now, CBS4 and WXIN59 joins us. Chap, I guess the first question would be this. Um, y- yesterday, was that like the, you know, because you're coming off, obviously, a good stretch for the Colts. Was yesterday just the anomaly of just bad day overall? Or did a lot of things that the Colts have been playing with fire with finally burn them?
5: Uh, yes. <laughs> Again, the, the, the issue with this team is they can't play uh you know, sea ball, and expect it to overcome the deficiencies. You can't have Hendrickson kind of working your left tackle. You can't have penalties. You can't have you know kicks. You can't have all that stuff. You know, the the shot plays and get by. And again, I'm I'm not diminishing the four game winning streak at all. You know, you take what you can get and all this, but it just sort of any given Sunday type, I think, I guess. And it'd be easy to say, well, let's flush that one, move on. Well, And what's really crazy is it it didn't help their playoff push, but they're still there in the playoffs. I mean, what it could have done is amazing, but you can't say, well, but everybody else lost too. Well, yeah, but you only got four weeks to go. So you had to take care of your business. I think it was just one of those days. But yes, it just it just kind of... Spotlighted, focused deficiencies, and that needs to be a one a one off. Although the run games have been a two off, Uh, they can't they can't endure another one of those over the last month. Can't do it.
1: I thought yesterday the offensive line, in particular on the left side of it, struggled, chap. And you know, Quentin Nelson at times, you know, whether it be penalties or, or having an errant moment. Is that about Quentin Nelson or is it perhaps Quentin Nelson realizing that there is struggle going on beside him and then all of a sudden, you know, one domino affects another domino and now all of a sudden it's out of control?
5: I I think that was the case last year with Ryman being a rookie and being thrown into the fire. And this year, not so much. I mean, I think Ryman's played really, really well. I mean, really well until until Sunday. And that's the unforgiving nature of the NFL at certain positions. Cornerback, left tackle. You have a bad – you have three bad plays and you can cost your team. You have a bad game and, and this – it's the domino effect of things happening uh, with, with a forced fumble, with a sack forced fumble, with, a, with an interception, whatever. No, I, I don't I, – I can't blame that on, on – I can't blame Quentin's issues on, on, on that. Last year. Yes. This year. No. Uh, But then he has a holding penalty on a, on a touchdown run. Well, then the argument is, well, it wouldn't have been a touchdown if he didn't hold. So, so what, what are you, what are you arguing about? But it it was just when you're trying to find positives. Okay. Pittman had eight for 95. Okay. And this is, this is the historian part of me. I was begging them to get him five more yards. It would have been his third straight 100-yard game. There's only been three guys in franchise history with three straight 100-yard games. And one of them's not Reggie Wayne. He's never done it. So it would have been a cool thing, and now all of a sudden you got to go back and start it again. But there just wasn't much to hang your hat on. Pass protection, run game, the pass rush with 21 sacks in four games, they did virtually nothing. Give a chunk plays special teams was a, was a dumpster fire. And they, you know, what I wrote about was they, they had gotten to this point with complimentary football, and yesterday it took everybody to play that poorly.
2: Hey, Chap, if there's one thing for sure they've been right about, I mean, two picks in three games, pick six yesterday, Ronnie Harrison Jr. I know he's never going to be called the replacement for Shaq Leonard, but I mean, that was the transaction. Leonard got waived and Harrison got brought up, so I mean, if there's one thing for sure about Ballard, he just continuously is able to help develop linebackers. What say you?
5: Yeah, and, and you know, I, th- I thought they missed EJ Speed yesterday because he, he had sort of uh, uh, quieted down the check, needed to play more type of things because EJ Speed has played well, and then and he's out. So, yeah, they, they've done a really good job of that. And, and the takeaways, what had a, was it 18 straight games? They've had one now. And that, that's really encouraging, uh, but but to, you, you still you've got to get a pass rush. You just holy smokes, you got Jake Browning who's looking like you know Joe Montana, which a lot of quarterbacks will look good when you don't put a lot of steady pressure on. I think they had no sacks and maybe three pressures. So, but no, it, it, that's that's that is where you sort of look like I mentioned Pitt when you look for these. Yeah, but on the positive side, he was one. You what? Know, that's two. That's two takeaways he's had, and that's two more than check had all year. You know, not to pile on check. So th- that's encouraging. But from talking to the coaches and coordinators today, the, the 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 theme was undeniable. Sort of flush that and move on. You know, yes, you take you, you go back and use it as a teaching tool on what you did wrong, and there was so much. But then you then you got to play Pittsburgh. On Saturday, and the Steelers are a team you've beaten, gosh, what, three or four times, ever. So, so it's it, it's a major it's must wins. You know, we, must wins come in like levels of degree. This is pretty serious must win with all the uh, seven. What is there? Six, seven, and six teams, and Cleveland's eight and five, and. Normally, head-to-head is a, major, is a major tie break. It's not so much when you've got this many teams. But well, the, the, the one edge right now that Pittsburgh's got over the Colts is conference record. Well, it's, 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 it's convoluted. They've got the edge. You do not want to fall uh, back in the conference with Pittsburgh and lose another head-to-head that you've already lost. Cleveland head-to-head, Cincinnati head-to-head, Jacksonville head-to-head. It makes it tough. This is such a uh, three-level above must-win, and it's a home. And Pittsburgh's got injuries like every other team at major positions, but th- this is one on Saturday afternoon. You find a way. I don't care if it's an ugly, you know, twelve to nine like Denver last year. This is one that if you, if you have a serious, you know, chance to make the playoffs, it's got to start saturday against the sealers it has to
1: mike i want to go back to something that you just because for our listeners that might be curious you had mentioned that michael Pittman was denied the opportunity for his third straight 100 yard game correct correct and you said only three receivers have done that previously for the franchise correct correct so i'm going to guess I don't know this, so I'm going to okay. guess. And I'll play the law of averages because you said Reggie Wayne is not one. I will say Which Marvin I, Harrison, I, I Raymond I Barry, T.Y. Hilton. Time. What's that? I, three t- I had to
5: check three times on Reggie. I was sure he did. No, he didn't.
1: Okay, so I'll go T.Y. Hilton, Raymond Barry, and I'll, I'll give you a curveball. I'll go with Hilton, Barry, and Marvin, but When Marvin got hurt in Peyton's rookie year, Torrance Small became Peyton Manning's safety net, and that would be the curveball I would throw in as a possibility. But hit me with the three that have done it.
5: Yeah, the three that you mentioned, the three. Okay. With Marvin, uh, T.Y., and Raymond Berry. And and Marvin did it like, gosh, seven times, eight times. (laughs) I was going to say. It was like, oh, yeah, really?
1: (laughs) I was going to say. You you know, Marvin Harrison is one of those guys, and and I think perhaps – Mike, watching his son play is what reminds you of it, although his son is is bigger and more physical than was Marvin. But um, I'm not going to say we took him for granted, but we kind of took him for granted, right? I mean, oh. just in terms of the greatness we were watching.
5: I go back and during that stretch, I, and I tried to tell people, you know, enjoy this. This isn't this isn't normal football. You know, would throw for 300 and three touchdowns, anything. God, is that all you got? Uh, and there were games, I remember he had like six touchdowns against the Saints and six touchdowns against the Lions, and he didn't play the fourth quarter. But Marvin, was he was a the guy. They, they did it, Marvin, Edron, all those guys, they did it so routinely, and, and Marvin had that, that kind of like, sort of like remember Roger Brown to where it was just, are, are you not trying? No, it's just so smooth the way that they perform. And I, it's funny, when I watch Marvin Jr. play, he's got his dad's posture at the line of scrimmage sort of a little bit hunched over in the arms that is, you know, down. But he's he's so much bigger. I look at uh, Devontae Smith of the Eagles, and I see Marvin. I, I really do with with how they play. But, I, I you know, I, looking back, and that was such a special time with special players yes peyton was he's got a statue for crying out loud i haven't got a statue i don't know you probably do somewhere maybe (laughs) in your backyard but but it was such a special time with the talent level not just well robert mathis is is the franchise's uh sack leader no it's what these guys did league wide in in how they rank league wide and hall of fames and this that, and the other and that's why when, when you can get a chance, like a Pittman, you know, he falls one re- reception short, last short, short of getting 100, and you know, well, in, in, you know, down the road, that that's how you sort of remember just how many 100 yards and all this stuff or how many 100 catches and all that. So it would have been kind of cool. It would have been totally lost in, 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 in the garbage that went on everywhere else. But, you know, in five years, nobody cares that he had three straight, no bio in the third when they got, you know, boat raced. But, uh, no, again, when when these guys do this, just enjoy it and and, uh, enjoy it and appreciate it. Because sometimes it's really, really special. And the stuff that those guys did, Marvin and Reggie and Peyton and Dallas and everybody, was special. And that's why you hope that some of these guys, you get Jonathan Taylor back and healthy and get another 1,800-yard season and – and Michael Pittman, if they can get him locked up, what well, he might be able to do long term, that, and that's what the game is. It, it's it's those four, five, six players that you, you, you need. This is not a this is not a criticism. You need Jack Doyle. You need that player on your team because how valuable he is doing everything. But you got to have those five or six players. One of them needs to be a quarterback. To, to, to really separate you and make the plays that other players can't make because God didn't say, you're going to be able to make this play when you're 25. So hopefully this team can get more of those those special players because this league's all about special players and five or six plays in a game that make a difference. And they've shown some of that, but not not consistently.
1: Mike, when you look at, to that point, Let's go to the tight end position. I thought yesterday Will Mallory, when his number was called, played well. Um, is this about the Colts trying to have flexibility at the tight end position, and that's why we see this rotation between Ogletree and Mo'ally Cox and Mallory and you know the different guys that are running in, in Granson? Is it about nobody has jumped up and seized that position, or are they wanting to have a consistent rotation and then I'll follow up with a question about Mallory. But go ahead with the first part.
5: Yeah, that's a good question because it's sort of been the Baskin-Robbins thing. You know, who's next? And it sort of has – you know, injuries have really totally disrupted, dis- disrailed uh, Jelani Woods and Drew Ogletree's been in and out. Mo has really been – it's hard to know how to how to describe it. He, he He certainly hit his ceiling. A couple of years ago, which which is which is you know that's fine, but he's not really taken that step that people really anticipated. He'll he'll give you those plays every now and then. I mean, he's, he's had two pretty big plays the last couple of weeks with the fourth down and then the touchdown. Mallory in and, and Granson's played well, but all of a sudden Mallory seems to have taken some spots, some reps, and targets uh, from, from Granson, which which. You know, you look at you look at Mallory, and you think, yeah, is he is he a Kobe Fleener type of player? You know, I don't know, but it's it's I don't know whether no one has really stepped up and, and taken that role by the horns, or whether they just don't know who they've got or they've got with each player. But at least they've got options, and at least they're getting production from multiple players. Granson's a one that I think. I'm a little surprised they've not got, they've not used more. I'm not going to say got, not got more out of, but, but used more because he's shown that hybrid tight end receiver type stuff. Uh, but, but this offense seems so herky jerky with boy, It's, it's going to be Michael Pittman getting 12 targets. And then we'll see it, it's a couple to Pierce. And all of a sudden Josh Downs is, is not as much of a, of, of a factor. And, but it, not, not exactly on point, but until they get the run game fixed, this is going to be a major struggle on offense because you cannot I, I I don't trust the quarterback to carry this team with 40 passes and 250, 300 yards. I just don't they've got to get back to running the football and that's before Jonathan Taylor gets back what he's supposed to miss two or three games. I you know maybe he plays this week I, I don't know. But they've got to get this run game fixed or it's going to be a major struggle the rest of the way. You know, the, the other point about Mallory I wanted to
1: ask, Mike Chapel is our guest from WXIN, Fox 59, and CBS 4. Um, do we know yet, Mike, whether or not Mallory can be I think you're right in terms of Jack Doyle and the fact that Doyle was such a good blocker, right? He was such a good blocking tight end. And even like when Dallas Clark was catching a billion passes or when Dwayne or when Kobe Fleaney, Fleener was used as a receiver, you had Ben Hartsock or Dwayne Allen to like be a big body on the line to, right. to alleviate that a little bit. And it seems like this group, nobody has emerged of that yet. Do we know yet whether or not Mallory can also offer some – Some blocking on the line, or is he specifically a receiving tight end?
5: I don't think they know yet. Uh, And and as a rookie, maybe it's hard to kind of expand that guy's role. I mean, when you see uh, the heavier package, I mean, Mo Ali Cox is always out there. Ogletree uh, is probably number two in that, And, and then maybe Mallory, but he seems right now to be more of the intermediate. Uh, uh, target, and he's played well. He's he's just played well. I don't know that that he would be one of my top two choices in, as a blocking tight end right now, but that's fine because you. Just, I don't know how you would know because I, I don't know that, that what his role was that much in college or or, or if that's where you excelled. But I, I think as a, as that Jack Doyle type of guy, and I'm not even putting him in Jack's you know category at all because Jack was. you know, we always made fun of Jack being, you know, Jack seven point nine yards of Doyle. Well, that's when it's th- when it's third and six or third and seven. I'll take seven nine. Uh, but but they they need to have that guy. And I it, it's funny, like you mentioned, they really haven't decided, settled on, who that is. Maybe they don't think they need you. Maybe they can keep spreading things around. I'm one. I'm one of those guys that I kind of like to know what roles are just because that's that's how I'm wired. But but as long as they're getting contributions from somebody in that group, th- then they're fine. Uh, but again, like I say, until they can get this offense kind of back in rhythm and, and, and be more who they need to be, maybe this is what we're going to see from tight ends, even from receivers. Because right now, again, it, it, it's, it's Michael Pittman, and then we're going to just sprinkle it here and there. And that's fine for Pitt. And he'll get his 100 catches and 1,100 yards and all this stuff. But they ne- it needs to be more to more where it's, it's, it's more balanced and more, you know, you know this guy's got a chance to get five or six targets, and this guy's going to get three or four. And that's not where they are right now.
2: Chap, the Titans play the Dolphins tonight, but Jake and I were talking to start the show. What's your reaction to the AFC South yesterday? I realize it was a bad day for a lot of teams in the league, but – the Jaguars losing to Joe Flacco off the couch, the Joe Texans, Flacco, That's incredible. Incredible. The Jets or the Jets pounding the Texans. Zach Wilson somehow does it. Just what's your reaction to the AFC South Lane and egg Missed
5: opportunity, m- major missed opportunity. What if, if the Colts find a way to win? They're tied for first in the division. Uh, yes, with not having the tiebreaker, but you know, m- 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 maybe the Jaguars are going to struggle moving forward with with. With the lower in the ankle, I don't know. But it, that's why I say it's, well, everybody else lost. Yeah, but there's only, you know, there's, there was only five games to go and you're running out of time to where, yeah, we sucked, but everybody else did too. That's that's fine in October. Now you really, you can't be leaning on or hoping other teams lose. So, you know, amazing. It's It's just crazy. And, hey, maybe Tennessee beats Miami tonight. You know, probably not. Uh, you know they, they may drop seventy on them too, but that, that's the problem: is is missed opportunities and and where that would have set these guys up had they won. But that, but again, we've we've talked about that. That that's who this team is, unfortunately not not yesterday. That that was beyond the pale of who they are. But it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be you know a masterpiece. But they've been finding ways and they've been avoiding the major you know, bad plays and series and, and quarters. and But if they can just to kind of get back on track. Again, the schedule moving forward, my goodness, it, it's it, as we've said, the schedule is begging these guys to make the playoffs. With the injuries, you know, I've, I haven't seen the update, but is T.J. Watt still in protocol? I think he is. So we'll see if he makes the game on Saturday. And things have just fallen in Well, Kenny Pickett's out.
1: Uh, you know, I mean, you're going with Trubisky again, well, right?
5: That's what I mean. And if he gets dinged up, they go to Mason Rudolph. So, so you know, it's it's just there for him. And you know, I saw C.J. Stroud had a concussion where he was kind of knocked out. So you know, maybe he doesn't play this week for Houston, and it's just there. But 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 it still comes down. Take care of your business. And, and you know, I would think if they win three of their next or their last four, they're probably in. Because of the way other things would fall, but you gotta win three or four. You know, if you win all four of them, I'm guessing you're in. I've not gone that far down the rabbit hole because I've got a life and I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, but but it's there. That, that's what's so crazy is bad as as bad as it was top to bottom, start to finish yesterday, except for 25 seconds. It's there still. If the old if the season ended today. They've got the what the, the the seventh seed, the third wild card, and they would be going to whoever's number two seed right now. Which, again, I haven't looked at that because again, I've got a life. But but the fact that you can endure that game and still be right there, it, it it tells you one how how unpredictable the AFC is with all the injuries and the quarterbacks and all this and the other. But but just including you know this, this team lost their quarterback too. And Jonathan Taylor's played roughly what five games uh, without you know you know being eased back in, so it, it's really kind of amazing that they're there. So you know, take advantage of it. Don't don't be sitting there in February thinking, man, if we just hadn't lost that game to whomever, you know, in the last four, when we shouldn't have. Uh, would be playing, but th- th- it's it's all about opportunity, and, and it's, a, it's up to these guys to take advantage of
1: it. Mike, did Cincinnati expose anything about the Colts that were previously not concerns? Or st- if you are the Colts, do you look at it and go, okay, the areas that cost us yesterday were areas we knew were of issue for us, or did they all of a sudden show something where if you're the Colts you go, oh boy, now all of a sudden the secret's out about that, and we were hoping to mask that until the end.
5: No, I, I don't know what it would have been. Matt Gay missing two kicks, no, I mean, that didn't – I think that's a bad day by the kicker. It was a windy day, and I think that was that. But everything else, the run game has been sort of hit and miss. Uh, now, the offensive line had a bad day, uh, but that's primarily in my mind because, you know, the left tackle had, had a, his worst game of the year. But, no, everything that we've seen is, is – everything that, that hurt him yesterday, we sort of have had issues with. You know, the, the, the chunk plays, the screen passes, those haven't been that prevalent to hurt these guys. But, you know, pass protection sometimes it has been leaky. The, the run game sometimes hasn't been there. The pass rush for as great as it's been the last month sometimes has gone away. So, no, I know what you're saying, and, no, I, I think it just sort of – it was a case of, man, every, it's one of those where everybody picked a bad day to have a bad day. And uh, you can flush it. you got to learn from it. But I just would be surprised if they have another one of those. Every team has a has a stinker. Again, Denver gave up 70. 70. Uh, everybody has a bad day. You just can't have too many bad days when you only play 17 games.
1: As it stands right now, in conclusion here, Mike, you've got the Ravens at 10-3. and 3 followed by nine and three Miami, eight and five Kansas City, eight and five Jacksonville, eight and five Cleveland, then Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Houston, and then Denver, the Bengals and the Bills are all right there also at seven and six. So tiebreakers come into play there. Of the teams that I just mentioned to you, tell me the best team in the AFC and tell me the scariest team in the AFC.
5: Best team in the AFC uh, Baltimore maybe, Baltimore. Miami, I just don't know that that offense is gonna sustain they're gonna have a bad day against a good team. Baltimore, maybe the scariest team's Buffalo.
1: Yeah. Uh, Man, I, their I, schedule's brutal, Mike, but that was impressive I, last I, I night. To,
5: I totally understand. I don't think they make it because of schedule. If they get in, they got a quarterback that's just gonna say to hell with you, I'm gonna win a game. <laughs> that's the team is the scariest, and that's the team probably that won't get in. To hell with he you. Know That's the is. theme of the day right there. To hell with you, right? <laughs> you know, you didn't talk about it, but did, did you see the clip of Mahomes greeting Josh Allen after the game, and he's bitching about the offside call? That was crazy. What do, think, what do you think Josh Allen's saying? Hey, pound sand, baby. We beat you guys. Right. You no talking? question. Right? He, he didn't say anything. He, he just kind of looked at him. Well, you're supposed to say, hey, in a good game. We'll see you later on. And, and you get the quarterback for the team. Bitching because his receiver lined up off sides. Can you imagine the hellfire if the officials didn't call that off and that play happened? Unbelievable. He was off sides. He lined up off sides. And it,
1: to me, it was pretty clear. I, you know, and I sure. get. Here's what I don't get. And I like Mahomes. I mean, he's a wonderful talent, no doubt. But like after the game, Mahomes, this is what has always bothered me, Mike, is when people say not hey, that was not a violation, but rather, right. yeah, that was a violation, but it's one that normally you get away with. Okay, well, it's still – you know what I mean? You yeah. still traveled. You, you still double dribbled, you know, whatever, right?
5: Well, and what's crazy is you look at the play, and it's true. You watch about every other play, and you see a receiver line up, and he looks at the official and say, am I okay? And, you know, the guy, he'll give him a, head, a thumbs up or say, no, move back. Look at Tony. He never one time looked at the official to say, am I okay? Or am I like, you know, correct.
1: That's the big thing. Right. Over
5: the line. Right. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a penalty. But boy, you don't call up there. Well, why not? Can you, again, like I said, can you imagine the Buffalo side if they don't call an obvious penalty? Crazy. Now, Mike, I'll I'll leave with this. I, I know that
1: yesterday was the first time that people for a lot of people were familiar with leverage. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that used to be called Leaping, and Leaping actually bought the Colts a second lease on life in the most famous Indianapolis Colts regular season victory of all time.
5: Simeon right? Sleeping. yep.
1: <laughs> the I leaping know. in Tampa that kept alive the Monday Night Miracle. Um,
5: and then and Vandy bounces the, the game winner off the upright.
1: Uh, I remember that. it's like, oh, my goodness. But that I was know. unbelievable, obviously. And most of
5: the city was asleep when all that happened. Correct.
1: They were all texting me the <laughs> ne- or emailing me the next day at Channel 6 going, can you replay the fourth quarter tonight? I know. <laughs> um, Mike, I will see you later this week. And if you, we are, I, I hopefully you're coming to a dinner that I'm part of for the old Robin Miller Memorial annual dinner put on by Bill Benner. And if that's Six the case and tomorrow. you ask me for extra sauce to pass down, I'm going to say to hell with you.
5: <laughs> there we go. Six o'clock tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Would not miss it.
1: All right. I agree. It's an honor to be there. Mike, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, All right. Captain. Mike Chappell on. The guest slide, yeah. For those that are unfamiliar, um, it is a weird esoteric rule in the NFL on extra points or kicks where you cannot gain leverage by jumping off of or landing on a teammate, and, and it's very rarely ever heard of. And most people around here had never heard of it, except for that in that Monday Night Miracle in Tampa, that miracle game when the Colts went down, finally got it into overtime after scoring whatever it was 28 points in four and a half minutes. And they get into the overtime, and Vanderjat misses what would have been the game winner, and then they called leaping on Simeon Rice, which is the same thing as leverage. And even Peyton Manning's like, leaping? Leaping? And Vanderjat gets an extra one, bounces it through off the uprights. Pretty unbelievable game. But that was the first time and probably the only other time I'd ever heard of leverage, of which in my life I have none anywhere.
4: You know... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: I thought I was about to hear this song at a bar in Milwaukee on Saturday. Because, and I love, love, love Milwaukee. Very cool city. You been there, Brennan? Have been there. Um, I love it. We go every year two weeks before Christmas just for the weekend. Or, you know, in around Christmas time, I should say. Annually? And you said, what's that? You go annually? Yeah. So we went up and did the Pabst Mansion, which was obviously decorated which is the equivalent of like the Lily Mansion here in Indy, or you know, the Biltmore estate. It's not as big, obviously. But it was decorated in Christmas decorations and you know you go through it and then we went and went to best place which is the bar at the original pabst brewery so we had our own little pbr party and then uh so we're we're having a pbr and i felt like the song closing time was going to come on because i'm like we're closing this bad boy down like we are shutting this thing down i mean i might be you know it's bring back college baby you and Shannon drinking it dry we are we are closing down the bar baby not necessarily because we were drinking just because it was we were out so late and then I realized that oh wait a minute we're actually on the very far eastern end of the central time zone and it's actually 10 after 5 like it gets Brennan you up you grew up in Chicago I mean it was midnight dark by 4 45 and by the time the Pacer game ro- tipped off at, at 7.30 their time, 8.30 our time, it was like, wait a minute, are we going to go out for a mi- like, can we even get something to eat this late? It's the middle of the night.
2: It's a good thing you're an insomniac.
1: No kidding. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I would take
2: the bus home from, you know, sports, and it'd be
1: 3.45 and the sun is going down. Oh, it, yeah. it, it's crazy. I, that I, would be yeah. the hardest thing for me, like, the the... The cold temperatures of the wintertime is rough enough, and the wind up there, but the getting dark before 5 o'clock would be really tough to deal with. I mean, it would zap your energy. Oh, yeah. I
2: mean, you walk out of practice, and you get on the bus, like, oh, well, I'm going home to go to sleep, you know? Totally. Yeah.
1: And it's like dark, dark, My mom would have dinner ready by
2: 4.30. It's like, okay, good night.
1: Good Lord, (laughs) man. I mean... But, it, you know, a lot of fun, don't get me wrong. But so you actually, Brendan, over the weekend, um, and we're going to talk Pacers coming up here with uh, now Dustin Dopirak, right? Did yes. I get it right? Dopirak, yes. I've, you did great on that last week. Well, thanks. Yeah. I have I stayed... made
3: progress because you didn't have to go on the two minute story of why he says Dopirak, Dopirak.
1: Well, I do that with Zach Osterman Osterman. Yep. But I now know it's Osterman. Yes. And it's Dopirak, right? Yes. Okay. Um, but you did Indiana State over the weekend, right? I did. How'd they look?
2: They doubled up Southern Indiana. And look, Stan Gerard, I think he's building down there in Evansville. But I'll tell you what, Southern Indiana, they had a halftime lead in six of their last seven games, including on Duke. And Indiana State doubled them up. So they look good. I mean, good.
1: Indiana State, He's what year is that there for him? Third year?
2: Third year for Josh
1: Shirts. And and when, when he was hired, you know, it was like, wait a minute, it was kind of an out-of-left-field hire. Absolutely. So speak. Division Two Lincoln Memorial. And I'll tell you what, I mean, so far it looks like a, a huge hire, right? We, I'd yeah. like to see more people going out there to see their games because I think they're going to be pretty good. And certainly, and the thing about that league that they're in is it just is really well coached. There's a it lot is. of good coaches in that league, right?
2: Well, and plus the team. I mean, Ryan Conwell started Pike, right? I mean, um, Isaiah Swope went to Castle. So, I mean, there's some Indiana guys on that team. And, man, they can score. I mean, defensively, they got to get better. But, I mean, they can they can blow the doors off when it comes to offense. And you know what? They go to Michigan State at the end of this month. If they beat Michigan State,
1: they're going to be a ranked team. The, um, the Pacer game against the Lakers – I know it was disappointing for people because, and it is, I mean, at least 10 different times, Brendan, I had to remind myself that it was not even a regular season game, right? It was just, it was an opportunity for, and it would have been really neat, honestly. It would have been really cool to say, you know, the first ever in-season tournament champions because one would assume this is going to be around for a while. But that was invaluable for the Pacers. Absolutely. Because... Tyrese Halliburton. Andrew Nimhard, Isaiah Jackson. For that matter, I'd have to look, but, but not the case, I don't think, with Buddy Heald, but the younger players. You can tell people till the cows come home that playoff basketball is different. You can tell them till the cows come home that the intensity ramps up in the playoffs. The... The screens that you normally like lay to, to get a shooter open, guys fight through them a little harder in the postseason. Yeah. The screens that are being laid on you to get the other team shooter open, guys lay it a little bit harder than they do in the regular season. And for the Pacers, it is wonderful to have an offensively efficient team that is putting up numbers and scoring at almost historic pace. It is fabulous, it's exciting, it's fun, and it's captivated this town. But in the end, it also is vulnerable. And the fact that, A, if you have an off-shooting night, you need to then be able to limit what the other team is doing. And if you aren't guarding, then you're host. And what I think they found in that championship game. And I'm not saying they didn't have it against Boston. I'm not saying it didn't take place in Philly, but not to that level. When you're going against LeBron James and Anthony Davis and just and $500,000 is on the line, you see what happens when other teams turn up that wick and say, like, let's go. We're, we are pushed all in. And for Indiana, their shots weren't going. And you're going to have that. You're going to have off nights. But, what the two things that we learned brendan in this in-season tournament number 1 buddy hield is not ready and and should not be sent out to pasture by the pacers just yet buddy hield was really smart to decline the first extension offer that came his way because buddy hield himself has increased his value now He was not obviously in that championship game against the Lakers. Buddy Heald was not vintage Buddy Heald. But you saw what happens when Buddy Heald's not out there hitting shots. It kind of collapsed, you know, it, it, it took pressure and put it onto Halliburton defensively. Halliburton was guarded in a much more intense level than we have seen throughout the course of the regular season and you didn't have necessarily the auxiliary pieces that were able to pull off of him which is why they went to T.J. McConnell on the floor to get the ball away from Halliburton to allow him to facilitate to try to get himself open so that when he was coming down with the ball in his hands he's not getting doubled right away so they tried to facilitate that and but they just weren't able to hit shots number one but you can't you can tell players all you want that things are different in the postseason, and oftentimes they don't find that out until they have their initial experience and get their feet wet in the offseason, and by then it's too late because you're down 3-1, right? Yeah, exactly. You now have tangible proof and evidence for those guys that when it comes time, assuming that Indiana gets into the postseason, and I think they certainly will, that when they go in now, whether it be as the eight or the seven or even the play-in or what I mean I'd like to think they're going to be a five or six seed but we shall see right a lot of basketball yet to be played but now you can say hey guys we don't need a guy like Bruce Brown to come in here and show his ring to say this is this is my pedigree now you can go back and you can say do you remember December do you remember what it was like against the Lakers? Do you remember the intensity, the pressure, and what happened in when you were having to scratch and claw and make a run to get it down to three, and then they clamped down that much more? It is a different atmosphere. It's a different game. It's a different tone. It's a different physicality. And does Indiana still need to go out and get themselves a defensive presence dog-type guy that helps enforce and lock that? Maybe. A guy like... You know, everybody's like, what they need is a three D guy, you know, a guy that that can defend on the wing and hit threes. Yeah, but you don't just like go into Dollar Tree and get one, right? I mean, there's a reason those guys are so valuable and so coveted within the league. But I thought for what the league wanted to do, the end season tournament worked because what the NBA wanted to do was to create excitement around the NBA in December. And Brendan, as you and I talked about. That Thursday night football game was totally secondary to the games that were taking place in the NBA, right? Yes. And then the other thing for Indiana that you wanted to do was to learn about who you were and what needs to be done to for when it's big boy time. And now all of a sudden, the young players were able to see what big time big boy time basketball is all about and and learn from it. And the the the, the skill set is there, the talent is there. Now it's just a matter of the understanding. There we go.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: Telling you, man, this this took the country by storm in the fall of 1990. Um, we have some Colts news to share that, that was right off the top of the show, Brendan, but go ahead for us.
2: Are, are we doing the sounder? It's not worth the sounder? No. What? No. That That's that's a shame. No. Uh, the Colts have signed, once again, blast from the past, left tackle Jared Veldier, who, people forget, played in the playoff game against the Buffalo Bills when
1: Phillip Rivers was the Indianapolis Colts quarterback. Now, here's the thing. He had retired, right? Multiple mm-hmm. times. And he, again, has come out of retirement is, for the Colts. Uh, how old is he? 36? Let's guess the college. One of my favorite games Oh, to yes. Play.
2: I like playing that game.
1: <clears throat> you, you go <throat> first with the college, Oh uh,
2: Well, I, I feel like I'm running the contest. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, what
3: college? Uh, I only know this because... Oh, you know it? You, Andy, played them a handful of times in my heyday. Grand
1: Valley State.
3: No. Darn it.
2: That's a good guess. He's from Grand Rapids. Oh, he is? Mm-hmm. So that was a really good a guess, guess,
1: right? A great A great guess.
3: Their mascot is also a mascot of an NFL team. Really?
1: His college mascot is? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Uh, Michigan Tech.
2: That's a hockey school.
1: Well, they do they
2: have a football program? I
1: don't think so. It's too cold, actually. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
2: Michigan Tech. Saginaw football. Valley.
1: Another good guess. Okay, the answer is, Eddie? Hillsdale.
2: Oh, yeah. Do you want to guess what their mascot is?
1: um michigan tech does have a football team that's the remarkable Husties. i'm gonna say hillsdale's the patriots no no saints i'll
2: give you a hint arnold schwarzenegger
1: um the terminators <laughs> do you ever see no do you want me to tell you um the twins they play thursday night <laughs> that's funny. what's that they play thursday night oh, I, I have no idea the Hit chargers me.
2: Did you ever see the clip gotcha. of Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was governing go with Go
1: And now, go Chargers, go. That was back when they were in San Diego, obviously. That right? is right. Uh, so, I'll Eddie, here's the thing with this signing for the Colts. It's peculiar, and you tell me why. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 2021, that was the last time he's
3: actually appeared in the NFL, uh, and that is when he last retired. It was announced that he has a six-game suspension, uh, and then he retired right after that. So he hasn't served that six-game suspension. So now that he's on the Colts practice squad, he serves out those six
2: games. He can't even be used this season. Unless just the playoffs. Colts are going to the
1: Super Bowl. Jared mm-hmm. Velder. So he has six game. Well, but h- hold on. He has a six-game suspension to Uh serve, correct? Correct. Can you serve that suspension while on the practice squad? Oh. You have to be away from the team, don't you? Don't you have to be away from the franchise for six games? And if that's the case, do playoff games count? I would assume so, yes. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Okay, so they have four regular season games remaining, correct? Correct. So he would miss four games and then the first two playoff games before he can then walk into the facility, correct? I believe he can be in the facility. Yeah, because Stewart was there, right?
3: After, it's either the second game or the third game. I can't remember which one it is, but you're allowed back in the facility after you serve half of it.
1: What I'm saying is like, it's not like he's walking in tomorrow and going in and going into payroll and setting up his direct deposit, right? that's
3: probably right and they probably already have that information before because they have a <laughs> that's
1: right they well, have don't a, know, the guy's retired three times you think he's still got the same he probably skips around banks too right I was about to say they probably have a way better HR department than I like do seven cell phone numbers yeah we don't have an HR department you know why because the any time you get a memo from the HR department the news ain't good right uh Dustin dopirak yes I'm on a hot streak, baby. Three in a row. Dustin joins us next. Speaking of hot streaks, Pacers were in Vegas. Didn't go so hot, but we'll discuss. Okay, so.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com. dot and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: Dustin of the Indianapolis star. I had mentioned the fact that I was just in Milwaukee and couldn't tell what time it was because it got dark at <laughs> 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, he's going to have no idea what time it is because he's been in three time zones in, in like 12 hours. Isn't that right, Dustin? <laughs>
6: Well, kind of. I mean, uh, like like 20. I didn't spend any time in the central or uh, mountain time zone other than flying through it because uh, Vegas is in Pacific. Uh, my uh, layover was in Los Angeles and it was also in Pacific. And now I, I'm now in fully in Eastern time. But I did get back to Indy for a little bit yesterday and now I'm in Detroit. Okay, tomorrow so It's going to be central time in Milwaukee. And then, yes, by the end of this week, I will have no idea what day or time it is. By the
1: way,. I guess if you have to go from playing in an in-season tournament championship game that is a disappointing loss in Las Vegas and then fly all the way to play a Monday night game and it's got to be away from home, Detroit would be the team you would pick to have it
6: against, right? But is it a trap game? Sure. Oh, it's 100% a trap. (laughs) It's like the definition of a trap game. I mean, so obviously they're really, really struggling. I think they've lost 19 in a row. So on some level, uh, you'd like to have it be somebody that you could conceivably beat. And I would consider them, you know, heavy underdogs if they were beating anybody else that that was functional. But I mean, obviously Detroit's got talent. I mean, they're just extremely young, and they don't have it all together yet, and they don't have any depth. Uh, but obviously, I mean, they've picked in the top five, I think each of the last four years, you know, like top seven in the last five or so, you know, Cade Cunningham's a heck of a player. Cade Nivey's a heck of a player. They are missing. Jalen Duran's out. Uh, Marvin Bagley's doubtful. I mean, that's the the helpful thing is they've got nothing inside for you, uh, where if you, if you face him at full strength, you got to deal with Duren, and, and he's still a problem. Um, so you have some opportunity to, to take Take advantage of that you figure you know miles turner will probably be motivated after he didn't have a, a great game on saturday to stick it to whoever detroit's throwing in there um so that gives you i think a pretty good opportunity but i mean yeah it's going to be a dramatic hangover i mean there's just no way for it not to be when you go from vegas and they're packed and everybody's watching you and and you know you're playing LeBron and and Anthony Davis and and all that. Uh, to you're in Detroit and the only media there is me. Um, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a heck of a just a, an adjustment. And I think that this is obviously going to be the the second half of the evaluation of this event is how does everybody come off of it and, and and do you find yourself a week later happy you were part of it or are you exhausted and do you wish you you know does it end up being costly to you? But there's there's no chance it won't be a hangover. It's definitely a trap game. Uh, but obviously they come in. No Knowing that, uh, you know, kind of expecting that there's going to be this this dramatic crash of emotions, uh, and then you're gonna have to, get, you know, get back to it. And I, I guess it is helpful to be playing the worst team in the league.
1: Dustin did Miles Turner and Buddy Hield have off nights on Saturday, or did Los Angeles take them out of the equation?
5: A
6: little of both. Uh, I mean, they, they had off nights, but I mean, obviously Anthony Davis being in the middle. You know, kind of takes you out of the equation, and and they can and they can really defend uh, all over the place. I mean, obviously Davis in the middle, and they did a really good job of switching. Uh, really put, putting length on Halliburton is really where it starts, and I don't think uh, you know the looks are not as clean when Halliburton's having a hard time, you know, getting into any actions. Uh, they really did a good job, good job on ball screen defense with him, uh, but really just just starting with length there with, with Jared Vanderbilt, who I thought did a fantastic job uh, of bottling him up. I and mean, I can't say what all. Buddy should have got or shouldn't have got, um, you know, I mean, like there, there's obviously an off night piece, but there were, there were makeable shots in there uh, that he gets, you know, 40% of the time. And that's, that's what makes him one of the greatest shooters ever is that, you know, he's hitting those 40%, but he's not hitting them every single time. Um, but I mean, they obviously knew that Buddy can shoot. They obviously went to that aware of that. I mean, the franchise has been watching these guys for years. Certainly there's been so many trade rumors uh, involving those two going to the Lakers. So they knew what they were in for. Uh, and, you know, they, they, You know, made sure there was a defense there to stop what they want to do.
1: I had said earlier, Dustin, and I want kind of the post-game locker room tenor, if you will, as to whether or not this was even brought up, discussed, whatever else. The real value, and I realize that Saturday night while the Lakers are out there and there's confetti falling and there's trophies and interviews and everything else, it was hard to grasp this if you were a Pacer player. But the real value in the in-season tournament for Indiana was it gave players on a team that wouldn't normally have the experience to understand it until they're there the tangible evidence that the elevation of play and in particular the elevation of defensive intensity against you goes up, you know, it's just big time in the postseason. And you saw it on Saturday. Do you think the Pacers grasped that in that moment? I do,
6: yeah, I do. I mean, particularly the person that you really, really need to grasp it, uh, certainly grasped it, and that's Tyree Halliburton. Um, and obviously, I mean, this is this is kind of his first. You know playoff stuff, and he's been very you know open about acknowledging that fact that he's never played for anything. I mean, he's, he's used that exact line, um, you know, just so many times over the course of this event, saying like, I'm going after this because I've never won anything real. I've never played in a playoff game. You know, I am trying to get this out of that. Like, this is my intent. And you know, then he was asked about it afterwards, like I, I need to learn something. I need I need to take something out of this. I noticed you know what they did, the amount of length, the amount of bodies that they were deal- throwing at me, and uh, you know, I got to really get used to that. I mean, he's obviously always the focal point in the scouting report, but I think he, I don't, I don't I wouldn't go so far as to say he was taken aback, but it was just like, wow, there's a lot of length coming at me, and they're, they're throwing a guy who's what Vanderbilt's, what, six eight six nine 6'9", uh, on the primary assignment, and they're bringing, you know, making sure they've got long bodies on switches at every point in time, and obviously there's just the simple fact that when you're running a 1-5 ball screen against the uh, the Lakers, the guy on the other side of that is Anthony Davis, and he's as good as there is when he really wants to be uh, at taking you out of that. You know, with Bam, the. Yeah, a bio being one of the other ones who who he's you know who's always, who also has been a problem uh, for Halliburton in the past. So it was definitely he was certainly aware and, and brought that up himself. Of you know I, I need to you know be aware that this is how it's going to be. Uh, if we get to the playoffs, they're going to throw all kinds of things at me, and, and he knows that generally. And, and Halliburton again is as smart of a basketball mind as there is, especially for a 23 year old guy. But uh, he certainly knew that. I think the other guys uh, that we had a chance to talk to certainly knew that. I mean they they cleared out pretty fast, and we mostly got guys at the podium, but. You Aaron Newsmith was aware of that as well, that this is a different uh, you know, level of intensity. Um, and they all, I think, had a sense that this, this was something that you can take with you and, and say, you know, this is what it's going to look like if you get to April and get to May and you're still standing. Uh, this is how teams are going to come at you. This is what the intensity is going to be like. This is what the you know, change in, in defensive strategy is going to be like. It's just not going to be exactly like what it is uh, for most of the rest of the year.
2: Hey Dustin, it's Brendan, and even though the Pacers get out-rebounded by 25, I know AD had a big role in that, but how much does Jalen Smith being on the floor, if he was, change, if anything?
6: I mean, it, it matters. It, it definitely would have mattered. I don't know if it wins the game or not. I don't know if I go that far. Certainly, but you know, I mean, they definitely notice uh, his absence. I mean, he's, he's been rebounding the ball fantastically well. I mean, I think he's still uh, per 36. I think he's he's their, their best rebounder. I think he's he's still above uh, you know Miles Turner's average, if I'm not mistaken. If you're looking at per 36 minutes, um, so per minute basically. But I mean, that's you you see the list of it being per 36, and so uh, you know that that makes a difference. I mean, he is uh, he, he is he has played very. Very strong and physical this season. He's an excellent rebounder. He's a pretty good shot blocker. He's another just big body that you can throw in there. Um, you know, you go. You know, Isaiah Jackson's a really athletic guy, and he's been you know productive uh, defending and rebounding. So I, I, you, there's no you know you shouldn't diminish what he has brought as a backup center uh, at all. But having it matters to have the third body too. Um, just have a number of fouls, especially when guys are coming at you as the Lakers were and, and as the Bucks were, and when you're dealing with these bigger front courts. Uh, you know, and guys that are really good. At drawing fouls, um, you know, basically having the third guy uh, is really, really helpful regardless of who he is. When you get deeper and you've got to throw Toppin to take in whatever minutes uh, are left if you've got to take, uh, you know, Turner and Jackson on the floor to make sh- off the floor to make sure they don't foul out. Um, you know, Toppin's been fine, I think, uh, overall, but, you know, you'd, you'd rather have somebody like Jalen Smith taking out those minutes uh, at the five or Jackson really being the third guy uh, than you would otherwise. And he's, I mean, obviously, Jalen's been shooting the ball absurdly well. I mean, I think he's still at, you know right around seven Percent, I think uh, you know, field goal percentage, and right around made like right around two thirds of his threes. He's not taking a ton of them, but he's hitting the one he gets. Uh, he's been really, really productive, and so you know, just having that kind of production missing from the bench, uh, you know, definitely stung.
1: I'm not saying that these guys grow on trees because they don't. But if if you were able to snap your fingers for this team, Dustin, and get the Pacers the player they most need. Would it be a long armed, like six, seven defending wing? Or would it be a brute, muscular, low post, like four, five combo guy that, quite frankly, is just kind of a badass underneath?
6: The first one. Uh, the first one i mean they need they need perimeter defense it's got to be somebody that can defend on the perimeter the second thing's fine too don't get me wrong i mean they they, they could use one but i mean they had a big wide bodied guy and daniel tyson never played um, and so you know basically got into one game all year obviously they're trying to play fast with this they're committed uh, to that style and they need someone who's going to run um, and and they could use someone who's also athletic and and you know badass as you mentioned but um, more, most importantly they, they need a guy who's a big long wing I mean they need someone who's also physical in that mold I mean they could use a, a really strong physical Four man who can run and score and defend, you know, reasonably well one through four and and, and be able to defend the first or second best player uh, on the perimeter. I mean, they, they need somebody like that. I mean, obviously that's why they're looking at, you know, you presume that they're in the Ananobi or Pascal Siakam, you know, uh, conversation that, that if, if one of those two guys get moved, the Pacers are at least going to have inquired uh, inquired frequently uh, about those two. So, so guys like that, I mean, there, there are a bunch of those that were sort of Presumed to be on the market that didn't go anywhere uh, in the off season. Jeremy Grant being one of them, um, but yeah, I mean, if you were to snap your fingers and look for someone like that, it's something like that. I think they still need; um, they, they could use a, a guy who functions as kind of a, the number two perimeter scoring option. And if they get, get that be get that be a guy who's a longer, you know, power forward type who can really defend, I, I think that's the that's the prototype that you would want to put, put along with this group right now.
1: Dustin the the guy that i'm like i flip-flop on admittedly i i i can't make up my mind okay let me mm-hmm. let me explain to you a player you tell me which player it is okay sure there is a player for the pacers that on monday wednesday and friday i'm convinced he is a cornerstone build around piece on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm convinced we've seen his ceiling, but others might not have, so he is a piece you can use in trade negotiations for leverage. Who am I talking about?
6: You're talking about Benedict Mathurin, 100%. I, <laughs> yeah.
1: and, and here's the thing, like that game against the Lakers, you know, he, he showed a little bit of that dog that he has in him where he's mm-hmm. not afraid of people, but I feel like his outside shot has not been consistent enough and his defense has not elevated to the level where they'd like it to be. I, I don't know this, but I just – it feels that way and that he could be a piece – you don't want to move on him too early, but do they have a good idea who he is? What do you think?
6: Uh, I mean, I think that's that's just the, the tough call about it. Is you're, you're constantly concerned when you're looking at him and it's like, okay – but what if I'm wrong and he's Kobe Bryant, you know, like, and, and obviously that's overplaying and I'm not saying that he is, or is, is even going to be you know, close to that, but like, what if I'm wrong and he's an all NBA wing in like three years and I passed, you know, and, and and I passed him up and I traded him away. I think that's the thing that, that you keep thinking about. And obviously, like you said, I mean, the, I mean, what's he shooting like 32% from three point range somewhere in that line uh, might be worse than that today. I, I mean, um, it's just you know you're just like okay like the, the three doesn't go down consistently you know in it, he's a weird fit you know, with Halliburton, the way that they play, because, I mean, they play so fast, and it's like he's sort of at his best when he gets to, like, really kind of set somebody up, uh, you know, and kind of take his time, you know, just it, and get in an isolation situation and really cook somebody up uh, on the perimeter. And It's like the way, the the speed with which they move, you're like, okay, like, do these two, does this make any sense? Because it's just like Halliburton is moving the ball so fast, it's like he's almost, like, at his best, like, accelerated with guys who don't need to have the ball very much in terms of time. It's just get, you know, guys like Buddy who just need to just have the ball in the hand and then shoot it. Um, and so like the, those two, you know, he and heel have been just phenomenally affected together. And it's in part because Buddy just runs around, creates gravity or someone leaves him alone. He can stay that three at any point in time where Mather and he sort of, you know, he's very, very good at getting to the rim and finishing. Um, and so, you know, like, but he sort, sort of needs that opportunity to kind of jab step at somebody, you know, or just mess around with somebody in isolation situation and get to them eventually or dribble at a couple guys that get fouled. Um, and it ends up slowing things down for the incredible speed with which they're moving. So it's just like an awkward deal. But I mean, I, I think, I think he's going to be a really good player in the league. You know, I, I still think that's the case. I and mean, he's just, Dogged, determined, driven, and you know, just plays with a, a lot of ferocity, and I think that's certainly going to get him somewhere. And you know, I, I think if you if you do move him, there are still going to be occasions when you regret it. Um, but depending on the return, you might you might not regret it so much. But I, mean, I, I think he can be a better defender. They certainly want him to be more consistent, and they have seen really good flashes of that. He certainly has the physical capability to be a really good defender. You know, still has to kind of piece some things together in terms of knowing where he's supposed to be. But when he really wants to guard somebody, he really can. Um, and, and so, I, you know, to, to your point, you're like, sometimes you're like, okay, you cannot move that guy. And sometimes you're like, well, maybe you could. Um, but, I mean, obviously, the big thing is is that, that he is certainly only usable for something in a major, major return. You're, you're not, um, you know, obviously, if he gets you a, a, a Siakam or something like that, a major all-star, you know, like you're not in the, okay, well, he's untouchable phase. I'm not, you know, going after a guy like that with him. I think you've reached the point that you say, okay, like I'm, I'm not that afraid of it that I'm afraid of packaging him in with, uh, you know somebody else and getting an established great player on a team that's that's you know trying to throw away throw guys, guys away to rebuild. Um, but you know you're you're not you're also not rushing to throw them away either. You're, you're not trying to um, just you know just abort this mission as much as possible. You still see those moments when you know just the the, the finishes at the rim are still just you know the, the athleticism, the skill. I mean, it just stands out that like you're, like that's still a really productive player in the NBA.
1: Okay, player number two of Guess That Player, okay? At one Mm -hmm. time, it was thought that this player's primary contribution to the build of the Pacers was he was going to be a piece that was going to be leveraged for other pieces to come in. But as time has gone on, you have realized his value is perhaps higher than was initially thought, and even though you try to kind of stave him out, he – Shows more and more that he's got to be there. And when he's not, things don't go well. That player is? Um, TJ. Okay, I would agree on more TJ bite. McConnell, uh, especially bite. on the latter part. Um yeah. I don't think TJ McConnell is going anywhere. I think TJ McConnell will finish his career involved with the Pacers, truth be told. Um but mm-hmm. I, Buddy Heald was the guy I was going with because I think at the beginning right. of the year we thought, okay, you know, he's an older player. Not not old, but for this roster mm-hmm. he's an older player, right? But and, – and I think he was really smart to turn down the extension offer because he is – started even that game, he doesn't have a great game and you realize that it's really hard for them to win when he's
6: not out there having a great game. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, that's 100% true. Yeah, so I mean basically I was thinking, buddy, most of the time, and I sort of leaned TJ towards the end. Um, but, no, I mean, he he definitely, no doubt about it, I mean, he's absolutely made, uh, you know, shown off, I think, his value. And, and he's not even necessarily having as good of a year as he had last year. But you're just reminded just what – how good the fit is uh with Halliburton um one because I mean the chemistry is really really good but it's just in terms of just how this the floor is spaced when Buddy's out there what it allows Halliburton to do um and just how much it opens up the middle of the floor you know just how much it creates space um and so even if you're going to you know contribute a lot of uh bodies to Halliburton if Buddy's on you're going to get burned by that um if, if you're you know just daring to sink somebody off of him um, it, it just you know it, it creates a problem for you and so he's still I mean I think he I'm looking at his basketball reference page and he's down to 38.8% from three where he was 42.5 before um, but it's still you know a guy that's just could just can knock them down and he's had stretches I think in this season where he's really been lights out um, and so yeah no it he just makes a huge difference and, and having a shooter of that caliber that you compare next to Albert is such a big deal um, and just it, it just the those two people just work phenomenally well together and so yeah they're gonna they would be uh it would if they do decide to move him uh if they were to decide to say okay well the only way that you're going to get something is to give up something and you've got to give a buddy because you're down to one more year on his contract and you don't know if you can resign him um you know, like they're going to have to get a big return and they're going to have to get a shooter because, I mean, I think it's just, it it to make this whole thing work, you have to have a guy who can really, really shoot threes. And they've got good shooters other than Buddy, but they don't have a great one other than Buddy. Um, uh, you know, around Halliburton. Obviously, Halliburton is a great shooter himself. Um, But in terms of space in the floor for Halliburton to operate, you need one more guy that can really knock it down. And, and Buddy's proven that he's still that guy and he can be that guy for a long, long time.
2: Dustin, my last question on the... In season tournament stuff is just after soaking it all in and digesting it. Whether it's on the court, travel, coverage, whatever, anything on your mind that you would change?
6: Well, I'm going to be well. This first off is that you shouldn't be have a have to play the finals on Saturday in Vegas and have a game on Monday. Um, you know, I know the I know the Lakers don't, um, and I haven't looked at the schedule. I, I know that it stands out who's not playing today. Um, that there was sort of a presumption on the part of the league uh, that certain teams were going to be here and one of them was not the Indiana Pacers, which, you know, it's fair because I certainly didn't think they were going to be there. Um, but all the same, uh, you, you got to make sure that I think that there's a little bit more give here um, between, because uh, you're going to jump right back into this thing. And I think that's going to be, you know, this is going to be the second major part of the evaluation um, is just what the effect is going to be like. Um, you know, how it's going to affect the Pacers, how it's going to affect the Lakers, how it's going to affect everybody else he was involved. Um, just what kind of like, if you ultimately feel if, if, the teams that played in the finals ultimately feel like it was, you know, more of a problem because of the extra game that you had to play because of the extra travel time, because it's how it messes your overall schedule. Uh, the, it, it's like, do you really want to be in the finals next year? Do you really want to play for that? Um, then, then that's that is something they definitely don't want. Um, so that I think is really important. And to say, okay, well, you better, you know, have uh, build in some more cushion. Um, you know, basically just, you know, for anybody who might be playing the championship. I don't know if that means. I, I, I don't think you could flex any games out um, in terms of saying, okay, well, it could be Monday or Tuesday. I don't think you can really do that um, for just all kind of travel planning and people, you know, buying tickets for games and all that kind of thing. But I think there there should probably be something. A, a lot of study has to be put into what happens next because I think that's ultimately going to determine whether you continue to get buy-in um, from these teams. You know, it's it's again. It's, I think they were plenty motivated to go out and try to win it to get to Vegas to get to you know make money for themselves, make money for their teammates who don't make as much. Um, so you clearly saw a motivated league after this thing. But it's just there cannot be a you know, a major cost associated with it that makes you wonder if it's really worth it uh, at the end of the year because it takes you so long to recover. So I think that's going to be key. Other than that, I mean, I imagine there will be something people probably won't like, um the fact that point differential was a part of uh, the you know tiebreakers for group play, I imagine they'll change that because uh, there probably there was going to be enough complaining about that. Um, I was more okay with the courts than most people. I think, uh, particularly the Pacers ones. I thought that I thought that was all right. Um, you obviously got to make sure that they're not you know. Do more to make sure they're not as slippy as they are in game one, um, you know. And obviously, the Pacers managed to do a pretty good job of that, so it wasn't like a skating rink after that. But I think, I mean, I for the most part, considering what it was, thought it did pretty well. I mean, I didn't have super high expectations for it it at least met uh, or or you know succeeded whatever expectations I had. So I thought they did a lot of things well. But I think this next part uh, is going to be a really critical piece for it.
1: Here's the thing that the super weird and one mixed tournament floor painting designs did okay mm. i also thought they were hokey there was one of them i think it was in it was one oh is in atlanta the atlanta floor was like this weird light blue where if you were watching on tv it was like watching a 1978 atari basketball game where like the little electronic that, guys yeah. just disappeared at times mm-hmm. it, um but if now that we've gone through it and now that the sports fans of the United States have gone through the in-season tournament, you're walking through a bar on a Saturday night and it's a close game and you look; you just happen to look up at the TV, you instantly know it's a tournament game now. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, yeah. Like that's a one-point game. You walk past the TV and it's a one-point game with two minutes to go between the Suns and the Blazers and you live in Wichita. You're like, yeah, okay. But you walk mm-hmm. past now and you go, oh, wait, it's one of those tournament games. That's kind of cool. It's, you know, yeah. it's like watching the first round of the NCAA tournament, right? And I know Halliburton said, mm-hmm. look, this isn't the NCAA tournament because guys aren't graduating. Like, we got to play again in two days. But right. I, I think, Dustin, I have to remind myself a lot of times that the the target audience that it's going after at times is not necessarily like the three of us, right? Because we watch the sure. games anyway. So in that mm-hmm. regard, I get it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I thought it was cool. I guess the better question would be this. There was a there was seemingly a lot of hype, especially in Indianapolis. There was a lot of excitement. Was the rest of the country excited about it? Were there people in Chicago that were like, hey man, the, the finals of the in season tournament tonight's on ABC between the Pacers and the Lakers? And would it have had the same generating buzz amongst talking heads had it been the Pacers and Sacramento?
6: Mm. Yeah, no, I mean that that's definitely th- those are all good questions. I think obviously it's a big part of Indiana caring about was then deciding, okay, this is a thing for us. You know, this is a, this is a situation we have not been in before. So we're going to take advantage of this. And Carlisle has kind of said this in the past to be like, he keeps, he he uses the playoff environment on a a lot of different cases to say, Hey, we haven't been here before. We're trying to force this. And so there was really a a full tilt organizational buy-in on that, that they then tried to pitch and say, and pitch, turn that outward uh, to the city and as they advanced it was like it it gave you something to buy into for a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in a few years and it was just sort of like reminding everybody what that's like what what it's like for everybody to really rally around a team and care about a game uh, you know on an individual you know basis in the middle of December and so yeah I think I'm sure there were cities where it wasn't as big of a deal certainly if your team's not you know never really had a chance. Uh, they're probably less interested in it. But I mean, I think it allows you to get involved quick as opposed to, you know, like if, if your team is just gonna make the playoffs for the first time and maybe you get eliminated and then there's still a whole month worth of playoffs. Um how bought in are you? Um, but it's like I think this event, because it was so short, so quick, it allowed people to kind of get invested in uh, on a short scale, like you do at the NCAA tournament. I think. I mean, I brought that up as a question for those guys uh, in general, and as you mentioned, you know, nobody's graduating, and he <laughs> used a word that they did not put uh, in the uh, in the transcript for that. But like, you know, I, 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 but that was I think the similar piece of it was being able to to you know narrow it down to one game and get everybody focused for a day. Uh, you know, kind of like you do in the tournament, and so. Yeah, I I think – I'm sure there were places where it didn't really resonate um, but I think again, because the Lakers were in it, it, it certainly resonated more, um, you know, overall nationally. You know, getting Milwaukee in there as well, getting Giannis in there, uh, you know, I, I thought it ended up being a good split on the final floor where you had to, kind of two upstarts and then you had two kind of titans of the league, and, and LeBron and Giannis on either side of the thing. Um, so it, it, there were a lot of things that worked out well from a team standpoint that you got some kind of Cinderella action going on, uh, you know, with the Pacers, a team that decided it was really going to care. About about it because of, of its recent history and then having you know the the most recognizable player in the league uh you know come out and take it seriously and go out and take three charges in the semifinals. And in the game they won by 40 um you know they, they got i think the right amount of buy-in the right teams in it to, to carry uh the national attention uh you know just through the weekend you know at you know at a time when you're kind of battling for eyes with You know, it's not a whole college football weekend. It's the Heisman Trophy and Army Navy. You know, they were in a good spot to grab attention, um, and I think that they got a lot of things to come together to make it work.
1: We should have had everybody put on little paper glasses with the little weird lenses on them because it is 3D, (laughs) right? This entire discussion is 3D because it's Dustin Dopyrak in Detroit, right? Exactly. All it's right. that. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, yeah. Dustin, appreciate the time as always, and uh, enjoy that game tonight. We'll see if Indiana can not get caught in the trap game tonight, but we will certainly be looking for the coverage at the Indianapolis Star.
6: Exactly. Thanks so much, guys.
1: I appreciate Thank it, you. Dustin. Uh, you know, I called him Dustin the whole time because it's his mental hurdle. Dopurak. Did I get that right, Eddie? Say it again. Dustin Dopirac. dopirac yeah. It's Dopurak. So that the the it's the, not a dough it's a duh the emphasis but the emphasis is on peer the peerac right yeah
2: that should be your uh, ATM code Bosco
1: <laughs> you're a portly fellow <laughs> certainly fall victim Bosco. to the to the to the temptations of the chocolate right what about oval team you know they call it <laughs> oval team but it come you know why don't they call it round team right we'll continue to do more Seinfeld riffs next not really
4: so it was a talk. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: Total, I think this is a JMV term, craptacular weekend of sports, right? You had. Now. You're stealing his thunder. So let's. But let's focus on the positives. The things Did you guys ever play that that college drinking game called categories? Sure. For the for the purpose of the bit, I'll say yes. So basically what it is is somebody names a category.
3: Okay? Okay.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You go around the room and like if you pause for more than three seconds or oh, whatever, it's like yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Positives from the sports weekend. Eddie, you go. Now, are we going clockwise or counterclockwise? Is this, so this Indianapolis is game, sports or so? just this in is, general? This is for this radio, like things that we would talk about on this radio show. Got it. You per- go first, Eddie.
3: Purdue beats Alabama.
1: Okay. Fever win the WNBA lottery. Have a chance to get Caitlin Clark if she decides to forego her final year of eligibility next year. Brendan, There's not a whole lot left, boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's slim pickins over here. <laughs> Roddy Harrison had a pick six.
3: Butler Bulldogs nice. win in double overtime.
1: Indiana State with an impressive win, nice. although it's over southern Indiana, another Indiana team, but a nice win for the Trees. Should have done that one. Notre Dame's going to a bowl game. Ooh, okay. Dude, we already we already knew that though, right?
2: No, it was this weekend. Oregon State.
1: It's in El Paso. Yeah, we did our we did.
3: We already knew that though. That's I, a, that's I wasn't a on the show.
1: A, it's a bit take a drink. That's a stretch. Eddie, go
3: ahead. <laughs> uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers will be without, uh, it looks like T.J. Y. and Alex Highsmith, too. They're in the concussion protocol, but most notably Kenny Pickett. These little
1: hands. Okay. Whittle. Uh, Butler basketball <laughs> won, right? I
3: already said that. Oh, you did? I hey! did. No, you said Purdue. No. No. Uh, well, the second time around, I said Butler.
1: Oh, man. Okay. Indiana football got You don't get another first- shot. What's that's not that how the game works? No, you, I just, you, I, fine, I'll take a drink. Yeah. Okay, now I, I get to keep He's the creator away. of this game yeah, on the show. True. So he, Indiana football got a key transfer in a running back from Wake Forest, and that is the first significant acquisition for Coach Signetti since coming to Bloomington. Mm. Brendan?
2: I <laughs> think we're out. On. I think we are about <laughs> out,
1: right?
3: <laughs> I, think, I think we're good. You could have said every team surrounding the Colts in the AFC playoff picture lost.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's Although, you know what? Cleveland won. And that keeps them just above. D- I'll tell you what, Denver? Denver won. Yeah. Denver's the one that you kind of have to look out for, right? Because it's like, is Denver the beneficiary of a schedule? Like, if you were to pull up the games that Denver has won to kind of put themselves or keep themselves around this area, are they have they beaten anybody significant? Or are they just doing what you should do, which is taking care of the games they should take care of? which you could make the argument that Indianapolis didn't do that yesterday, the Colts didn't, with Cincinnati, right? But the Bengals are, as I was listening to and then later watching those plays with Cincinnati, you kind of forget, guys, because it is a game, obviously, the Colts had to have. Not had to have, but you really wanted to have. And they missed an opportunity to to better their position. But – Cincinnati still does have some pretty darn good players on that team now defensively they leave a lot to be desired and Hendrickson had his way yesterday but they still have playmakers on offense all over the place and they were able to take advantage of that and the Colts defense yesterday not a good effort they at times they 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 made some good calls they blitzed the right times Zaire Franklin had a couple of big plays as you talked about you know the pick six was big. The 14 points in 35 seconds or whatever it was was big. But you take that out of the equation, and now you're talking Told Eddie, you could have been in like Batesville by the time the third quarter kicked off, right? Oh,
3: yes, most notably. And I don't want you to make it sound like Trey Hendrickson is some slouch. He's tied for third in the NFL in sacks.
1: I, I get it, but I'm just saying he, he absolutely yesterday – I mean, he he was the difference maker yesterday.
3: Yeah, but there might be some Colts fans out there like, who is this guy? But right. like, he had a really good year with the Saints, and then he secured a big contract with the Bengals, and he's been a sneaky, sneaky good edge rusher there that nobody really talks about simply because he's in Cincinnati, unfortunately. But he's got ten plus sacks in the last three years. Did
1: did you stop? I was about to ask him in Greensburg and see the tree county. Did not.
3: Come on, man. It's world famous. I know it's world famous, but we didn't have time. Did you
1: go across the river to that German place and get yourself a beer out of a, an oil silo can?
3: You know, ironically, one of our engineers here, Skyler Wood, and some of the Colts crew from the broadcast crew did go there Saturday night. Said it was fantastic, but I did not go. Well, let see. There's nothing ironic about that. That's well, in Kentucky? It was ironic that you brought it up because I was just talking to them about that earlier today. Fair enough.
2: That's in Kentucky?
3: Yeah, it's right, right, across,
2: by right across
1: Newport. Porch. Yeah. Um, I always think Florence that's Newport that's right that's mm-hmm. literally right across the bridge yeah yeah uh, when I was in high school my buddy Chris Farkas A4 mentioned on the radio many times uh, Chris Farkas and I both had yeah he was dating a girl that was a senior and um, I was set up on a date with another senior we were juniors this was big time Is cool. this where right? I insert the Ric Flair woo pretty much and if you could have uh, no names mentioned here but both girls very attractive Chris and I were way out of our league. Farkas was, and I was, for sure. I mean, with all the music about sex from your freshman, (laughs) senior year. The music was the extent of it, Brandon. So so we decided, we're like, we're going to go down and take them to dinner in Cincinnati to a place called Barley Corns. I don't even know if it's still there. So we... We get in Farkus's blazer. We tell our parents, like, we'll be back at 11 or whatever on a Saturday night. And, like, it was a major coup at that time at the age of, like, 16 and a half or 17, whatever we were, to drive, let alone drive two senior girls down to Cincinnati for dinner. So we drive down to Cincinnati, and then we realize we have no idea where this restaurant is. We just know it's on the water. Some water – all we knew was, like, it's on the Ohio – So we get down to Cincinnati and we're like, where do we, how do we find barley corns? So we're driving around downtown Cincinnati. This was pre-cell phone, pre, you know, whatever. We didn't, we didn't go uh, to AAA and get a trip tech. Maybe we should have. And so we're like, wait a minute, let's just find somebody on the street and ask them if they know how to get to barley corns. And I kid you not, there was a guy walking out of an office building. It's a Saturday night at like six o'clock. And we're like, oh, well, that's this guy. He's working late. So this guy walks out of the building. And we walk up, and I go, "Excuse me, can you tell me how to get the barleycorns?" And the guy looked at me and goes, "I'm just here for a speaking engagement. I'm not even from here." And I looked right at him and I go, "You are correct. You're not because you are Roger Staubach." And he's like, "I am. How you doing, guys? <laughs> like, all right, great. <laughs> wow. So, wow." So now all of a sudden, like y- you know, we've got—I'll just say Krista and Michelle, and, and they're like, "What is taking these guys so long?" So we found barleycorns. We went to the restaurant. We Chris and I at one point. We're like, we got to go to the restroom and like huddle up and make sure everything's going okay. And, you know, we're, so we go into the restroom. There's a guy in the restroom. He pukes in the bathroom, comes out, and we're like, um, rough night. And he goes, no, actually, I'm getting ready to propose to my feet, my girlfriend, and I'm super nervous. And we go, well, you can practice right here. So he, he, we had him do it like three times. And then he went out to the restaurant. We saw the guy get engaged. Everybody stood up, clapped, and we made it home like right on time for curfew. That was my Cincinnati experience. And, and I think it was in Newport, is the long winded point of my story. But I met Roger Staubach, so that was cool. Right? That is that one cool. of the more odd stories I've ever gotten from you. <laughs> <laughs> ever literally,
3: received or heard Literally, to. he said,
1: I don't know, I'm just here for a speaking engagement. And I said, you are exactly right. You are not from here because you're Roger Staubach. And, he, and you didn't realize yeah. it when you and first he, saw him? He could not have been more kind to us, but then uh, we found out why he was called Roger the Dodger very quickly after, where he's like, all right, guys, thanks. I got to go. And that was it. That was the entire extent of it. But it was fun.
3: By the way, glad to see that you made it back safely from your chick. From Milwaukee with uh, some spotted cow for me. I was wondering way.
1: how long it was gonna take you to thank me for my generosity because I went to Woodman's, which is in Kenosha. It's I the love world's Woodman. largest and oh, greatest grocery store. Greatest grocery store. And, 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 you know, if I had gotten back to me, that was gonna be the thing I was gonna say. That should be the thing you're gonna drink, right? That's right. Uh, Woodman's, by the way, the grocery. it's a grocery store in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Oh, it's more it's, than a store. It's massive it's an experience. The, the the liquor store, it's better than Bucky's. It's a yeah. better experience than going to Buckingham. It's IKEA. The the the, the beer well, section alone is the Swedish. size of like total wine. I mean it's oh, massive, it. right? Yeah. It is like IKEA for groceries, but it's inexpensive. It's I was yes. behind some lady that literally bought uh a fourth of Kenosha and and she wrote a check, by the way. Until yes. last I'm behind somebody that wrote a check.
3: I was going to say somebody in Wisconsin probably because
1: they're always behind in terms of – Totally. She got in her it's 77 employee. Wagoneer and drove home. So, <laughs> But her entire – like she had like three carts of stuff, and it was two uh, – I was watching. We were playing Price is Right rule at $235, and I'm like – and then we went across the street to Target, and Shannon went in and got three bags, and it was 140 bucks.
2: There's a uh, – we play in Appleton, Wisconsin. There's a Woodman's across the street from the team motel It's great. That's the best.
1: It was very cool. But I did bring back for Eddie some Spotted Cow, right? Have you ever had Spotted Cow, Eddie? I have once. Very good. Well, see how long it takes you to polish off that six-pack. Man, on drab, dark winter days, Eddie knows how to put me in the summer mood. Just play that bad boy like the summer of 83 at Taylor Basketball Camp. Madness in our house. Great tune um
3: by the way uh the taylor university silent night game was over the weekend did you see that
1: yes man that that is such a cool tradition um and i guess whiteland did it as well
3: yeah i was trying to find a video of that and see how it turned out i haven't seen anything did you see anything over the the weekend of that
1: i saw only the taylor one and it sounded like and, and i apologize that i forget who they were playing for those that are unfamiliar taylor university and their basketball program does a thing called silent night every year where everyone is totally silent until they scored their 10th point, at which point the crowd erupts, the students rush the floor, and they rush it quick. That ball quick. went in and totally. kids were out there. And then later at the end of the game, they closed the game by singing Silent Night. It, it is a super cool tradition. Um, but the the opponent, what the coach was like yelling out commands and you know whatever else. It was like, wait a minute, I, I, but I get it. I mean, for the opponent, you just got to get off the floor really fast. That's the big thing. But a couple of uh, notes that have happened here within the last hour or so since we've been on the air. First off, my understanding is some news with a former Pacer. Correct, Eddie Garrison?
2: Brendan, hit me with the news. Lance Stevenson to the G League Timberwolves.
1: The Iowa Wolves, right? Iowa Wolves. Is that Des Moines? I would guess that's in Des Moines, yeah. They, the, <laughs> Where well, they, the S's are silent. That's right. They have a um, – they actually have a cool arena there. I think it's Ford Arena maybe. Okay. They're have there. also, by the way, Purdue has landed Corey Stewart, 6'6", 305-pound tackle. Uh, native of Nashville, Tennessee, joins the Boilers after playing for Ball State. JMV has walked in. looks like he's freezing. That was Milwaukee. It was great.
7: Loved it, man. You know, somebody brought me this, Mike and Donna from New Pal, to the show mm-hmm. on Thursday. Is the 2021 All-Star? Oh, I have, that, ah, I have the T-shirt yeah, of that. That's the awesome. one that never happened.
1: The one that did not happen. I have the T-shirt of that. Yeah. The same one. Thank uh, you, Mike uh, and Don awesome. from New Pal. That is very cool. So, yes. Well, you're wearing it. I thought you looked like you were freezing for a no, second. No, there. I'm
7: good. Um, that was
1: Milwaukee. It was great. The, Did You go up to see the Cunningham's or the, the DeFazio's. We saw the Cunningham's were there. Yep. Uh, had the Feenies. Some, what What's the fictional beer where Laverne and Shirley were? Shots. Shots. It was a. they com- were bottle cappers. Combination of. And in her gloves. <laughs> yeah. So we went to <laughs> the last time that I was there. If you go to, um, yeah, Lakefront Brewing Company, that's the actual building where that open was was filmed. Yep. And they do the thing, and you can do the reenactment of the glove.
7: It yeah, it's unbelievable to think on Laverne and Shirley. Laverne, Shirley, that's Cindy Williams yep. and Penny Marshall. Oh, you're right. The yeah, Big yeah, ragu, yeah. Carmine. Well,
1: one of... He's gone. Lenny or Squiggy's gone, right? Isn't one of the two gone? Um, or they I both think still Squiggy's gone. Lenny is still here. Yes. Lenny's still with us. I mean, you know, it's also odd to think, John, when those shows were out, they were 30. supposed to be of life in the 50s, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, they're now 50 years old, and you know what I mean? They were showing something that was from 20 years prior. Those are good shows based in Milwaukee, though. You know what else was based in Milwaukee? Started Predominantly was based in Madison, but at one point there was a conversation they were going to move to Milwaukee. Leave it to Beaver. Oh, really? Yeah, they were in Wisconsin also. Um, I didn't know Leave it to Beaver was in Wisconsin. They never had bad weather. They did have – exactly, uh, honestly – wally had very briefly a wisconsin pennant on his wall behind him hmm. that's, the, that's really the only reference and at one point actually at one point they say something about living in madison or, or going to madison that's really about it well ward
7: was a tremendous athlete in real life really? evidently back in the 30s i guess hugh yeah. beaumont hugh beaumont indeed um what do you got lined up just talking about I, we're gonna do Stephen holder they uh hijack a little bit of our time today again because of Colts round table and then the Pacers play. I I will say this. I I wasn't as bummed as everybody else about Saturday regarding the Pacers, but if they don't if they come out here tonight and stink it up Uh, at the level in which they play. I'm not suggesting you play at that level every single night, but they've given us a different now level of expectations. Uh, And and part of that, Jake, is being professional and going up to Detroit and handling a team that's lost for basically the last month plus. That's being professional, regardless of the lack of enthusiasm coming off the weekend.
1: Yeah, it's going to be – it'll be interesting to see what they do for certain. Uh, But you are on until what time? 5.30 – 5.30, next two and a half hours with John. All right, John. (laughs) Have fun with it, all right? Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with you tomorrow at noon.